BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to the 11th anniversary show for One Nation Radio, my name is Richard Ladder the Second. I'm here with James. Um, we've been off for two weeks here. Um, some of you guys may know, some of you guys may not. A lot of people um, have reached out to me. I announced uh, on Twitter, uh, September 10th, my father passed away um, at the age of 65. Uh, it was a sudden thing. Um, it was a um, you know nothing I was prepared for. He wasn't sick. Um, it was just, you know, something that you just never think is coming. Um, James, you got to meet my dad one time. Um, and you know, this is, you know, been really a difficult, uh, few weeks for me, um, had to go to, to his house, which is like just one of the hardest things I've ever done. I did get to see him, um, before we, we cremated him. Um, we still have like memorial stuff uh, to come. So I'll be getting on another plane again eventually. Um, but I, I just want to say uh, a few things about my dad and uh, just, you know, s- stuff I've written down and uh, bear with me as, as I get through this. I'm going to try to uh, not get all choked up, but forgive me if I do. So here's some words about my father, uh, Richard Latta. <sighs> so. My name is Richard Ladder II. All my life, I've insisted that people address me as such um, because it's the way that I was named by my parents, uh, Janet Rivera and the Richard Ladder. I was not a junior. I was the second, the second version of Richard Ladder to come into this world. Richard Ladder was a lot of things and an original was one of them. He was one of the smoothest brothers that ever walked the planet. He had a view of the world and a level of magnetic charisma that could set anyone at ease. Uh, he was a mountain of wisdom, even as he's dealt with struggles in his life. I can't speak for anyone else, even my other siblings, uh, but he always showed me his best. And he stressed to me that he saved his best for last, which was what he said to me. I spent so much of my life trying to um, impress him and live up to that lofty distinction. I didn't think I was superior to any of my siblings, but it was almost in unspoken thing uh, because the words he did use and his actions, he was trying to tell me that we were different than other people. We were this secret club, him and I. Um, We operated with decency, knowledge, and a sense of self. Maybe I was so doe-eyed for my father um, that his charm worked on me where it failed on others. Whether it was good and good grades, answering questions in front of him, uh, you know, from Jeopardy, 
at an age that would be at a way younger age than would be expected or reading the biggest books and articles I could find out loud to him from the age of four and beyond um, karate, basketball. Later, when I began rapping, I was determined to pay off his self-belief or pay off his belief. Um, for the people that that do know him, they know that he had a lifelong detest of rap music. Um, I'm proud to let everyone know that's listening to this that not only did I convert him into eventually liking and understanding hip hop, but he turned out to be one of my biggest fans. Uh, he would randomly write me that he had done a binge of my YouTube channel and he was so impressed with my self-taught musicianship and music. I had done nothing but simply be born. And he treated me like I was Simba from the Lion King as far as my memories go back. You know, he was born March 7th, 1958. He was the youngest child of Robert Latta and June Wright. Um, according to my Aunt Dawn, he was a child that always needed a little more, whether that was love, attention, or guidance. He graduated from uh, William Munson Academy. Um, I once looked through his yearbook and was shocked to see uh, the number 35 on the basketball team with an enormous afro. One, he never told me he played for the team. And two, all that damn hair that he had, uh, considering that most of my life I razzed him about lo losing his hair and told him it would never happen to me. I thought it was the coolest thing uh, at a young age that my dad was a police officer. Uh, I can imagine that it wasn't glamorous. Um, he had times he worked undercover and he worked in the narcotics division and kept ungodly hours. Um, I thank his partners for helping him return to our family. You know, safely in those early years. He wasn't just a cop. Uh, he was the cop, uh, as humbly as I can say. Uh, he received several awards for um, a recognition for international drug cases that he reeled in. And I think I'll recognize the phrase, the Commonwealth versus Blake until the end of my days. He was someone that was connected with everyone somewhere, somehow. He brought me to the Springfield Civic Center in Massachusetts countless times through back doors to watch the sport I fell in love with as a child, professional wrestling for free by simply nodding his head at whoever was in charge of the doors. I thought that was the coolest thing. When I got older, um, I had many talks with him and he was very proud of some of the cases that he brought in. And I explored my own thoughts on policing with him and was happy to say that he shared many of my feelings on the role of police, supported and understood the Black Lives Matter movement. He was a cop, but he was a black man first. Um, he was married twice, once to my mom uh, and once to my sister, Jasmine's mom, Yolanda. He also birthed other sons, my older brothers, Taryn and Derek, with Delania and Kim, respectively. Without dressing it up, he was a rolling stone. Uh, I met many of my dad's girlfriends over the years. He told me stories about every woman in his life uh, before I got married, which I'll hold close to the vest. Um, special rest in peace uh, goes out to Darlene for being the love of my dad's later life. He never quite got over losing her in 2014, much in the way he never got over his marriage to my mom, which changed all of our lives in numerous ways. His friends, uh, Gregory, Donald, Stephen, and of course, my uncle Sterling uh, became my uncles. Uh, I respected them all for being successful black men coming up in the age they did. They were men in their times and they're men today. Um, they had the type of friendship that I would recreate in my life with my aces, James, Josh, Jeremy, Alex, and Andre. 
I hung around them all together Father's Day weekend in 2016, and I felt like I was getting a glimpse into my own future. My father had a lot of personal struggles that he faced for as much as he held his professional life together until he no longer could. He functioned for many years while battling demons that that arose out of loss, depression, anxiety, and like most people not knowing how to deal with changing circumstances. I spent three days with him um, prior to my wedding, which functioned as the last major time I spent with him in 2020. Over those days, um, he was not only preparing me for my wedding by purchasing all the champagne I needed, and but he dressed me, fed me, slept on my couch watching the show Girlfriends uh, that he loved, uh, and counseled me and hung out amongst my friends as one of the fellas and even became my wedding photographer in a pinch. Um, he took up photography in the last 10 or so years of his life, and he was always excited to share his photos uh, on his Facebook page. Uh, he treated me like a grown man, but deep down, he always let me know that I was his little boy. I <laughs> I used to sleep on his chest, and he never let me forget it. Um, I have a ring right now uh, from him that was his. It's downstairs, um, but he purchased two of them for him and I. Even though it wasn't my style, um, I thanked him for the thought. Uh, I'm going to keep both of them uh, now in his honor. Um, He wasn't always around and he missed many important moments of my life. However, you know, he was never able to teach me how to fight. Um, Instead, I had to learn from my friends and stepbrothers. Um, I got upset at him not making my graduation, uh, but I always uplifted him. Uh, I always loved the bond that we had to where time could pass and we just picked up. Um, I had no interest in really holding him accountable because uh, I thought that he was just making the best decisions with the circumstances that he had. I wish I could have had more of his guidance. Um, I wish I could have spoken to him more. Uh, I last talked to him about three weeks before he died. And um, I, I used to, um, do the video chats with him and i took a lot of screenshots uh always uh just you know just cuz whatever and i'm glad i took those and uh, you know i can go all day but uh, i think i said enough um until we meet again rest in peace my father um richard latta i'm the second he's the first that was great man um as you mentioned I met him, um, you know, your bachelor party and like, you know, the days going into your wedding and um, like it was interesting meeting him for the first time and to see, you know, finally meet him and then to see like, okay, I see where I see where Rich gets some stuff from. Right. Uh, It was also interesting to see that like um, he he. It was, I thought it was funny how like easily and how easy he could get familiar and comfortable with people. So, um, yeah, he was, um, he was fun and he was very charismatic as you mentioned. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I was glad I was finally able to meet him. Um, and then, yeah, you know, uh, I always know you always knew that you had a complicated relationship with your dad. Um, and you know, it's probably the reason why me and you bonding is like, it's complicated as being abandoned when you're two. Right. Uh, so, um, 
being able to meet him and to see that like uh and to see more where you came from i i really enjoyed that and like he was he was a blast to be around for the time that we had and um like your bash party was fun and you know there's stuff that i'll say uh that i won't say that uh, i told you about as far as like around around uh the time you getting uh married and involved your dad that was just outright out outlandish but like like i said like he got comfortable quick and um i'll always remember that in uh rest in peace to richard Derek ladder the first love so, you dad um I guess we'll take a break or whatever else on the podcast and we'll start um, we'll start back up again like I don't know if you want to play something or whatever else but I'll press pause on the recording and, everything yeah. and we'll come back give me a second I'm gonna I'm go get uh, some water real quick okay yeah. yep this is Jordan Grace and you're listening to the Social Suplex Podcast Network BWB, this is One Nation Radio. You better get it right. Rich Ladder, James Boyd came to give him life. The blackest wrestling podcast has come to kick all ass and drop his six feet if they kick it trash. Word, let me welcome y'all to something different. And if you dig it, man, you should let some friends listen. We be getting it in, that's on the regular dude. Ravish and flow, but this shit rule. See, James don't rap, so I had to break it down. The whole network, man, we coming for the crown. Raps in the columns, I keep them both covered Making the beats too, so the listeners can bump it Hit us with the rating, yeah, I'm saying it's a five Before you hit a talk, bob your head side to side It's One Nation Radio, and this is the beginning It's Rich, and I'm here with James It's time to listen to One Nation The power of this is Mike Sempervivi from WrestlingObserver.com. Check me out on Wrestling Observer Live every day. And also check out your boys, Rich and James, on One Nation Radio. Uh, this is Kenny Omega. We're listening to One Nation Radio. Check it out, guys. These guys know what's up. Big Kenny Omega fans. That's all it counts to me. Goodbye and good night. Bang. And we're back. Um, we are going to talk about 11 years of One Nation Radio. Um, obviously, because of um, Rich's dad passing, it was like technically two weeks ago, but who gives a shit? Like, we'll treat it like a rest promotion. We run it whenever we run it. It doesn't have to be right. the exact day. So, um, <laughs> yeah, man. Um, last year, we did a big, a big thing about it. We had people send in their um, listener submissions as far as people that have been listening from, you know, from the very beginning to recently to somewhere in between. And um, it was very touching to see people um, went out of their way in their busy days and busy lives to, uh, you know, hit us up and sit and, you know, and, and do the whole thing. And like, you know, they may have botched something or whatever else, may have to re-record or whatever else, because you know how the recording game goes when you pre-tape something, so just run it live. So um, appreciate everybody that, sh- that turned this stuff uh, last year. We didn't do it this year. I think we saved it for the big round number. But um, yeah. yeah, man, um, still feel the love, still feel um, happy to like build this thing every single year more and more. Um, I think, you know, I think in the last year and change, about two years when we went to streaming, whatever else, I feel like um, we've grown. And um, I feel like uh, you in particular, like all this stuff is more of your hard work and your your doing of like putting up the stream. You know, you're the one that runs the social media accounts. I just more or less I edit the show and throw it up. Uh, but most of it is like, you know, me and Rich talk a little bit. Rich is the one that comes up with the game plan for what we're going to talk about that particular week. Like most of this shit is Rich's creation. So um, just a shout out to Rich and um, appreciate everything he does. And like, you know, 
it was funny how we started because it was always like, you know, we more or less talk. We used to talk all the guy like every other day for like hours. Like we were more or less prepping ourselves to, to the shows that became One Nation Radio. So, um, you know, as our lives have uh, have grown on or whatever else in the different stuff, like you now live in Georgia, you're a whole state away. Um, yeah. uh, what was I going to say? Like, uh, there was a joke. Oh, I saw GZ. I was performing, uh, I think, after scores at Falcons games. I was like, is Rich going to stir up the Falcons games now to see the local acts? To see if T.I. is going to show up and start performing at games? If Ludacris is going to start performing at games? But, um, yeah, man. Maybe. Like, uh, it's, it's cool to come every Monday, uh, to the show and, and, and know that, like, I get to talk to my dog, you know, for however many hours or whatever else. And, and, like, this is the kind of way we keep in touch and whatever. We obviously we're messaging up throughout the day about whatever nonsense is going on on social media or throughout the, the world of music or sports or whatever, or real life. But, um, like, this is like a, a, one of my more fun pastimes ever had, um, as a routine. Like, this, like, I gotta say, like, once you get out of watching football, and like you're watching like how long it takes for for games to like for plays between plays or whatever so you're looking down at your phone look back up look down and it's like oh half time for college football's 20 minutes long like you get to appreciate like this half or this particular uh pastime talking to my friend is is more uh for me stimulating than like watching a football game that i'm not necessarily emotionally invested in now so like at, at this stage in the game so um yeah like mondays it, like it's always I'm always looking forward to Mondays. Hell yeah, man. Um, I, I appreciate the kind words on on all that, but I definitely could not do this show solo without James. I've done it solo and we've both done it. And, and, and I'm saying it's it wouldn't be impossible to do. Right. But it wouldn't be nearly as fun. It wouldn't be uh, as challenging uh, when, when you're just talking to yourself and there's no one here to to be like, hey man, what you mean by that? Or like, yeah. you know, or like just, uh, you know, make some jokes about it or or anything like that. Um, when we started One Nation Radio, it was the definition of humble beginnings. Um, podcasting was essentially the wild west. Still, this is 2012. Not everyone had podcasts. Only people that have podcasts were like. Chris Jericho, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and Bill Simmons, like, <laughs> and much, like yeah. some some other people. But it is, um, you know, for, like from the beginning, I was like, "Yo, we can say something." Like, there's something that I think we have that would be entertaining, funny, thoughtful, and it would be fun to do. Um, we talked last year about. You know, just kind of it, it felt like such a big milestone. It was like 10 years. I can't believe we, we did 10 years. And now that we're on the other side of that, it's like, yo, how long does this does this thing go on? I'm like, shit, forever. Like, <laughs> like, 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 I don't see no no reason to, to, to just stop doing One Nation Radio or anything like it's, um, you know, like it, it's a lot of skin in the game and it is um realizing like there's still like so much to do like because we like have you know we're we're our own platform so like we're not we're, we're not as fortunate right now to have like you know a built-in huge site like we're like a this is an independent rap label this is this yeah. is master p this is freaking cash money like before the fucking universal deal this mm-hmm. is like rockefeller on priority like this is this is like 
y'all hearing the real like we don't have to cut shit aside from like you know some some stuff i may have relationships with people in wrestling that i'm protecting or something like that but as far as like you're always going to hear kind of what we think um yeah no limit records like this yeah that's that's what this is this is this is indie this is from the muck um but you know and, and the production has grown over time like we've we've uh become like we we were experimenting with the live format back on facebook uh yeah. years ago and it, it wasn't like all the way fully de- developed or anything like that but do we ever talk about how how nigger rigged this stuff was at bro, the beginning <laughs> bro i didn't know how to how to get the audio from james to to like play like like whoever had the microphone right like i think james would be able to figure it out because he had a, a pc longer than than i did i was dealing with the mac and the mac didn't have like all the um like as far as like just the easiness of like desktop audio recording which yeah. those of you guys that have done podcasts you guys know what i'm talking about so i would be playing james's audio out the um microphone speaker it would be coming over the speaker while I my mic is like face. I'm gonna show you guys the mic that I had. And it's a mic that's pretty famous that now that everyone fucking had, right? But this is how we had to do it. Give me one second. <laughs> All right, I'll feel. Um, yeah, man. It was it was pretty wild stuff we were doing. Like it like he'll show you as an example, but like, man, um like I, there's no way we could have done video at the time. But, like, if we had done video, it would have been really, like, it would have been really embarrassing uh, to see, like, the stuff that we were pulling. So, go ahead. Go ahead, Richard. Because it, okay. it was a height of low tech. Like, it was, it was beyond, like, the whole, like, record your, 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 your track, like, in the shower. It was beyond that. Right. So, go ahead. So, for those of you that are on the audio, you guys are going to have to log in and see what I'm talking about, like, on yeah. YouTube. This is a blue Yeti microphone, right? Rich, rich, because they can never see my mic, right? I'm still using a fucking blue Yeti microphone. <laughs> but that's fine. That's fine for one person. That's fine for one person, right? Right. So, like, but what I was doing was saying, yo, I have no way to record both sides right now, right? Right. So what I had to do was yep. set the option. Turn it to a bi-directional mic, a bi-directional mic. They have these little settings right here that you guys can see. I would have to put it on the zero, right? Yeah. So what that would do Omni. would have this side of the mic and that side of the mic. So I would pull up the uh the uh the speaker on this side of the mic I had to hope the speaker wasn't causing feedback right I had to hope the internet connection like would 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 not like fuck us up to where right. there was a delay man this stuff we were in the mud literally just fighting through it just fighting through it don't care you still getting the audio like <laughs> like we didn't give a fuck man and that's like the the spirit of of this show like we don't give a fuck we are going to find a way like to deliver the passion the takes all that shit and and it's like yeah man it's it's been really cool to um to further develop uh more reliable ways 
of of doing our shows of, of when you know i started realizing oh shit i've got this this interface and i've bought so many different um appliances that i figured out how to eventually get james's audio on both sides on my mac i, I eventually figured it out and i was like man i'm gonna just do some more research I, I think video would be pretty cool like how am i how am i gonna figure it out and then once i got the pc um which uh james brother uh helped build for me it was like oh I think I think it would be cool to stream. How do I do this? Put a lot of research into that and was just like, you know, hope James is on board. And he was. So it was just like, I think <laughs> like I think it was like, you know, a really cool, uh, you know, like the, the evolution is real. Um, yeah. You know, people talk about evolution with Triple H and all that. Nah, man, this is like this started like. It was rough. Go go back and listen to to some of them old episodes that are those, those old ones. They are on um, the One Nation or excuse me, the Social Suplex feed all the way at the beginning, and we were playing people's music during the shows. Yeah. It was a lot. Like we were we were just trying to figure it out, doing the best we could. And um, fortunately, you know, <laughs> we, we we grew into be. Um, I, I'd say we're decent. So yeah. um, you know, like. So, someone in the chat called us the Jesus and Marrow of wrestling podcasting. Um, that's hilarious uh, for a, a bunch of different reasons, but yeah, dark skin, light skin, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But um, the yeah, ECW days of O and R. Yeah, it, it was it was it was very grimy. Yes, yeah. no no respect. Like it was um, you know, and then like the whole thing with uh, linking up with Jeremy was was really cool. Yeah, and um. Uh, just I was talking to him probably about two or three days ago and you know I just kind of you know like he had called on me just to you know check on me and all that and I was like yeah man like how fucking crazy is it that we were just on Twitter shooting the shit talking about Monday Night Raw and now we've been friends for like a decade and you know we got this podcast network together and you live 20 minutes from me so like we were able to meet in person and kick it and it was just like I sent some good tweets and somebody found them funny. And then right. you get like a damn life, damn near lifelong friend. Like, yeah. and then like, you know, you're, he has the same like kind of independent spirit, like that you do that like, yo, fuck everybody else. We can do this ourselves. Like, and you know, I thought that was really cool. And then, you know, Jeremy and Josh started keeping it strong style uh, with it. And then we just like built the, the network on it. I'm like, yo, why don't we, we gotta, we gotta keep, the momentum we got to keep like doing our thing and um 11 years later like every time football season starts i'm like wow another year uh behind the microphone for one nation radio and it's like <laughs> like i i've always done all the theme music and everything yeah and it's been it's been really cool to do and that now you're I, making everybody's theme music man i i did a song for a guy today he said I, i'm getting merch sent to me to shoot a video with so it's it, oh, wow. this thing is about to like you know hopefully do uh do do some things but um i think that um i i would love to eventually do like some type of live events or something like and the cool thing is we kind of did one we've done we it yeah we, we we went to new york and um during wrestlemania 35 weekend we were at the hooters across madison square garden we did a we got invited to do a live podcast uh we got all our food comp we had dozens of wrestlers show up there um including will osprey jay white b Priestley. uh um, there, there were more 
I think she was. All the Australians were there, but, was but I don't know there? if she was. Ah, uh, you know, I, I didn't know what she I looked can... like then, so okay, I don't know. Okay, um, but there, yeah, that was there, your there, first. There was... That was your first week had ever seen her wrestle. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I there were there were tons of. I think uh, what's his name? Uh, he's canceled now, but Jimmy Havoc was there. Um, there there was a. Yeah, so that means Jamie was there because at the time they were. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. And then and it was like, um, you know. All the the cool stuff we got to cover over this time, like we we covered essentially like the end of CM Punk and WWE. Um, <laughs> and now we're covering the end of CM Punk and AEW. AEW. Yes, amazing. Full circle, full circle. No Swiss beast. Full circle. Um, we, we, we got to see um like the end of John Cena uh, as a, as a tippy top person. We got to see the rise of the Shield. Uh, we got to see uh, the Bullet Club, the New Japan, Okada, Tanahashi. Uh, we got to see the Elite uh, form, and then AEW and Chris Jericho is like entire like you know just post like uh, post forty year old run, which he's just like been incredible. Um. Just so many, you know, we got into Joshi, you know, we got into um, lots of different stuff. Like I got into a lot of classic wrestling, like, you know, like Piro, like all Japan stuff. I, I got to learn a lot and become a, what I feel is a more well-rounded, uh, you know, fan. And um, it, It's been so cool to, to share that journey with James. And, you know, like I, I think James is like just uh, like when we started doing the Joshi thing, um, and, and paying attention to it, like I, I always encourage James. I'm like, yo, you gotta talk about this. You guys gotta go ahead, like, like James, you gotta like just keep putting your voice out on this. Like, we're gonna talk about this shit every week on the show or, or whatever. It doesn't matter. Like, we're gonna find a way. And luckily, we had Sierra to kind of like uh, hold hold our hands uh, on a couple couple things like that. But I was like, yeah. nah, man. Like, like James can can be be the specialist on this. Like this. This is this is something he's good at. This is something that that he likes. He's passionate about. And now, like, like, look at it. Look at it. Oh, the rise and fall of NXT. Yeah, that, that's another thing. Yeah. Um, and um, you know, I, I think James is the best, one of the best voices in the space on, on Joshi. And it's like you know, and I'm one of the top seventy five. So like, you, you are know, one of the top seventy five you know, so. of, of uh, historians on Joshi wrestling at this point. Yeah, you absolutely you know. are. Oh, so, uh, but yeah, like like this thing is a journey. It, it's it's you know, you look at it and it's like, yeah, man, we've got tons of shows. We have tons of inside jokes. All the bits, the bits really come from our friendship. I always say the show is almost not about wrestling. It's about us. And yeah. hopefully you guys uh, can get that. Like, hopefully that uh, is apparent uh, when you listen to it. We enjoy um, the, the the community. Uh, we enjoy, you know, the discord, uh, you know, and everyone that, that jumps in that thing uh, because I, we do a lot of talking in there. I actually opened up a new channel in there so everybody can talk about stuff that isn't wrestling if they want you know just how do you feel about life so joshua smith chagrin yeah yeah so uh you know if you haven't jumped into discord that's that's a cool way to uh kind of interact with us and um i just at the end of the day like I'm, i'm happy to do this show uh with my with my one of my best friends and like this is like this is amazing like that that we get to turn our mics on click a button and then we're talking to the world where we have the opportunity to reach the world and even if it's something is like you know 
like like professional wrestling, like which we all love. And I don't think is like, yeah, man, this we get to talk about this stupid thing. No, it's not a stupid thing. And you know why it's not a stupid thing? Because it like introduced us to a lot of cool people and, and friends and took us like around the world. James went to the fucking dome this year. Like that's not stupid at all. Like <laughs> I felt I felt stupid after Tam got her ass dropped in six minutes. <laughs> what the fuck is this? Why are y'all on y'all promo stuff building this? And this is going on like four from the top. It comes on like second, third match. It gets done in five minutes and forty five seconds. She's the fucking top chef now. <laughs> Nihon James, yes. Oh my god. But yeah, yeah, man, that's you know eleven years. Oh, we wow. sacrifice. Oh, no, not Mary. Oh man. Oh so, man. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, One Nation Radio, you know, it's it's on, you know, and it's been on. It's gonna stay on. And like, um, you know, comparison to who you want or whatever. Like, you know, we'll take all the comparisons. We'll we'll take you know all the smoke. We'll we'll take whatever. We'll be here doing our thing, whether you know. Whether two people are listening or 200, 2,000, whatever. Like, it's, you know, 2 million. Like, so we'll be here. Yeah, Brewhaven said, uh, ONR forever, forever. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. (laughs) That is great. Um, But it would not be One Nation Radio if we didn't talk about some conspiracies um here we go and, and some you know just interesting things about the world that are going on right now uh so on the same day it was announced that uh usher was headlining the super bowl no next no no, year. no hold on we have to, no 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 let's talk about usher first and then we'll get to <laughs> don't 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 do that because like that don't do that that's let's get to the funny after this <laughs> Okay. So we'll save the conspiracy for for a few minutes from now. We'll get to it. We'll definitely get to it. But uh yeah, so it was announced uh over the weekend that uh Usher uh will be performing the halftime show of this uh, upcoming Super Bowl. Um for me, this is somebody that has been long overdue. Like he sold more records than anybody in the in the decade of the two thousands. What else is there to discuss, right? Um so a lot of people a lot of people, let me say, especially uh, her, his most loyal fans, um, oh. have been wanting this for a long time. Obviously, the man is uh, incredibly talented. He's been doing the Vegas res- residency uh, the last like, year and change, maybe two years. Um, they, they had they had his own promotional uh, campaign with the Ush Bucks when he's uh, th- making it rain fake uh, fake money with his name with his face on it at at, uh, at strip clubs, robbing the women's bl- the women blind. Um, so, yeah, uh, also there was some controversy, or not controversy, there was some buzz around his, uh, Resident shows, because he was basically, like, uh, had people in particular seats, like a VIP section, where, when it's, when he sings, there goes my baby, he, you know, he serenades the women, and then, like, you know, the internet does what the internet does, which is, you paid all this money to bring your woman to, uh, the show, so that Usher can basically sit in, on her lap and, 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 and sing, and, and sing, or sing a waterfall out of her. I'm gonna, I'm gonna move on from there. And 
it, it, it caused a lot of stuff. And then you saw NBA players bring their girls and their girls start basically like jump away from him and jump on, like just basically doing all types of showy shit. And it's like, whatever. So this news coming out, uh, for me, uh, I felt it was long overdue. Like a lot of people, um, for me personally, like there are three people worth talking about, like in my lifetime, or let's say post Michael Jackson, the Prince far as like black male singers, uh, to talk about that are like, you have to like, you have to talk about these three particular people. You have to talk about, well, <laughs> one, only one of them. You could, you could be like, you have to talk about them and feel good about it. The other two, because they're assholes or, or sex passes, you know, whatever. So you have Robert Kelly, you have Usher Raymond and you have Christopher Brown. Uh, obviously, R. Kelly and Chris Brown have their have gigantic issues, uh, regardless of how good their music is. So let's just move them to the side. So basically, because them oh, two have bring one of them back. in the realm of uh, uh, what do you call it, decency, we have Usher. And um, yeah, man, uh, a lot of people have talked about um, Guns N' Roses as like. Guns N' Roses is a rock and roll hall of fame musical act off the strength of one album and one album only. If you'd liked uh, Chinese democracy or use your, or the two use your illusions. Cool. They're in here because of appetite for destruction, right? Um, Usher had tons of hits. Like I mentioned, so more records than anybody in the decade of the two thousands. Confessions is one is, is one of them thrillers, one of them, you know, Renaissance is one of those lemonades, one, you know, like one of those tra- transformational albums. So it, it took him from gigantic star to, oh, he's the biggest star in the world right now. I wasn't quite, I wasn't honestly expecting that. But like, once you reel off that whole A side, you're like, okay, I, there's no debate now. There's no debate. So yeah, man, I'm really happy for him. And uh, the uh, Rich, you uh, if you if you want to say whatever you feel about Usher, go ahead. But I have some I have some questions about like what Usher's gonna play, and, I, and I'll pose because you've heard me talk about this for a couple years now, uh, as far as uh, the prospect of him having a Super Bowl halftime show. But like I have some questions on what he's gonna play uh, for everybody at the halftime show because not everybody will be happy with whatever he plays. It don't it don't matter what he plays. Not everybody will be happy. That's true. Um, the Usher that I'm a big fan of is the first album Usher through. Uh, the 702 album, I think. So, I 98 actually, My I, Way, and then, uh, the 80, yeah, 8701, yeah. Yep. I, uh, I kind of got off, uh, the, I got off the, uh, the bus at Confessions, uh, mm. ironically, because, like, I hated Yeah when it was out. I, they played it to death. They definitely over, did. It, it was too, I just, it was just too much. I just, I, I just thought it was, like, just too much, and I, the whole thing just, I was I was a Usher hater uh, at the time of confession. So yes, I I, I, I probably wore the L Ooh. on that. Um, and I, I I just I was like yeah I was like I, I the Usher I like I loved like uh, you know the the stuff he was doing like with with the Neptunes and um like the that you don't have to call. yeah that you don't have to call yeah uh, that I don't know yep. uh. Of course, nice and slow. Like that was my crank. Like I, I played that shit like Radio Raheem. I had the cassette tape in 1999. I, I ran that shit to death. 
like uh, or ninety eight, whatever the fuck the year was. Let, let's like, ninety eight is when the album came out. I think it the out. I think because it was a later single, they may it came like the video may it came out ninety nine. Okay, like just for just for people's references, how old are you this time? Like nine, ten. I was like nine or ten years. Nine old or I was ten playing nice and slow over Pete. That's a sick man. That's a on, sick on young repeat. child. On repeat, just like thinking I could sing, like yeah, let's go. They call me U S H E R R A Y M O N D. Baby, tell me what you want to do with me. Got a nigga feeding like Joe to see. My nigga was ripping that shit, dog. Like you, you know, also that remix to Nice and Slow with Twist is like one of the most underrated remixes ever, in my opinion. Like mm. that, that's a killer. Like Twister killed that shit. Yeah, yeah. Like the uh, you know, his first song, you maybe want to leave the one I'm with. Like that shit was dope. Well, like, yeah. like I, I like a lot of his early stuff. Um, and then you know, moving like nasty, I said, moving nasty from day one. Yeah, yeah. And then like you know, like I said, the the whole thing with confessions and all that. I I just guess I didn't relate. And then like I was just tired of of the everything with Lil John at that point. I was like done. I was like, all right, I'm good. Um, and eventually, you know, it becomes just an American classic, and it's like, oh, okay, whatever. I, I just learned to live with it mm-hmm. and whatever. But he moves on from there, and I start liking Usher again. Like <laughs> like after all that. So, um, which is interesting then, because like after Confessions. He he did a dumb thing called, as as a as a young uh, as a young uh, black male sex symbol. He fucked around and got married to an older woman, and they did not like that, not one bit. Like for all the talk, that is it, so it's always funny to me, right? Because you know we cover the Joshi stuff, and you hear them talk about how like a lot of them, or at least for a long time, like they would keep whatever relationships they were having on the tuck because. It might hurt their sales or whatever else. Sell merchandise. People would be like, "Oh, this person is un- quote unquote unavailable." So it ruins the fantasy that you actually had a chance with this person to begin with, right? Usher and like a lot of people are like, "Yeah, that's ridiculous." Whatever else, and I'm like, "I gotta tell you, like, I, 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 I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it in real life." Um, you know when um the Here I Stand album came out in 07, I want to say it had you know Love in this Club and the remix of Wayne and Beyonce and that album Moving Mountains and you know the Dream and Clutch and uh, Tricky and all that stuff, all the production stuff. It was obviously a step down. It was it was like how do you? He's not Michael Jackson. He's not going to follow up Thriller with Bad, right? He, he's not. Uh, but it was a good album. But the way people reacted to it was like and it was a weird time where it's like you know at that time we're making music we're, we're aspiring you know we're aspiring music label and like we're pushing r&b and like all of a sudden like the genre starts creating upon itself as like it's one of the first thing to crater as the uh industry like kind of like co- collapses and shrinks every single year after year after that with, so with the with the internet and then the production style changes and and everything being all, cheaper and yeah. it's like well for good r&b you need like like it would it would be for the best for live instrumentation and like well that's now at a cost of the out of budgets and people's advances and all that kind of stuff so it's like you get less and less and less of that stuff um so you get that and then you get the um the raymond versus raymond album and like the raymond versus raymond album is kind of like effectively the end of his peak uh because you know it's it, it has great songs on it you know, it has the Hey Daddy song that, you know, which, but, hey, they was putting plies on Usher songs. I'll it, never let it go. Uh, plies, well, baby. They had plies on there. And I was like, I can't believe he has plies on his first single to his new album. Like, this dude, does he not remember who he's, does he not remember that he's Usher Raymond? 
And then like when the radio stuff came out or the video came out and like Plies was in there, I was like, okay, he he knows okay, he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. Like, this is the radio single or whatever else, or whatever it has, you know, with the street rap or whatever else. And Terrible. then like I, I gotta I'm leaving that off for, you know, when it's money time. Okay, fine. Um but like, you know, at that point in time, like he's looking around and he's older and he sees success and like he obviously success like you know his a person he sees as like his young bull like Chris Brown like kind of reinventing his career re, 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 resuscitating his career after he fucked it up because he's a woman beater like doing the you know the EDM uh, slant and at that point in time EDM is has a huge craze in you know getting into the beginning of the two thousand tens um so he you know he does the OMG song with uh with Will I Am and you know fresh off all the stuff he did with Black Eyed Peas and everything. And it's a gigantic hit, but his most loyal fan base hated that shit. He was like, "You're all supposed, you're supposed to be making songs for us, not them." And when he made that song for them, it was like, it was really weird. And then you know, the the double or the like the what do you call it, the reissue album, the the uh, verse, I think it's called Versus. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, it's called Versus. They had additional stuff with like you know, DJ's got to fall in love with Pitbull, more of the EDM stuff. Then he goes, he double downs again with um, the Looking for Myself album, and like I like that album. That shit has hits on it. Yeah. No one, no Turned one, it all. no one pretends like no. It's it, people pretend like it never happened. They just move on. They treat it like his career ended at basically Raymond versus Raymond. And that's kind of it. And then like we talk about like you know the Justin Bieber stuff where he you know he put on Justin Bieber and like that's kind of his legacy. We move on. We we treat him like uh, what do you call it? Um. Like he's an historical act or whatever else. He's a legacy act. He like his base became a legacy act from like the 2010s on, and to see him um, finally get his due when it's like he could have, he should have had a Super Bowl halftime show in 2004 or five, right? Like you're putting Justin Timberlake and Janet Jackson and Britney Spears out there or whatever else, and then you're going to get the fucking Who or whatever else. No, that guy. So, uh, I'm, I'm glad he, it's been long overdue and I'm glad he's, he's here now. So, um, Rich, is it now time for, for me to, to now get to the shits? Um, I think I know where you're going. Uh, uh go ahead, sir. All right. So, as I mentioned, I love Usher. I just spent like 15 minutes gushing about how, how much, uh, if I, I'm just gonna keep going because, but if this was Mason Cameron, they'd be like gushing. Whoa, hey yo, <laughs> hey, yo what's that's this? Crazy. <laughs> they're, immature, they're immature asses. Anyway, grow the fuck up. So, um, yeah, man, like I, very similar to a lot of other people that like have the hits to do it, but you listen, you think of the subject matter of these songs, and you wonder. What he's what is he gonna play? Because you look at what the majority of his biggest hits were, were these emotional relationship songs about heartbreak or about wanting somebody or being in these weird situations or about flat out sex. And it's like it's still the NFL. How's it gonna go? So you look through his biggest hits, right? You look at, you know, stuff like Nice and Slow, as you mentioned. I think that was number one, right? Yeah, something that is definitely gonna be on played. Like I, I th- uh, our homeboy Kendrick mentioned that like he hated that song and it was very, kind of similar to the Andre 3000 thing, where it's like I made Hey Yeah and I never gonna play Hey Yeah and I'm like, hey, you you don't like that song? Okay, cool, give the money back. 
oh, you don't want to get the money back? I guess you should go up there and play the people that saw they paid to come see you play. <laughs> what is what are, what are you talking about? So anyway, you're going to go up there and you, look, I, I said to Kendrick, like, you're going to go up there, you're going to sing and dance that yeah, boy. <laughs> and that's the end of the Dummy. Discussion. Yes. Take your ass out there. <laughs> You've been a piece up A-Town down all night. Anyway, um, and when Ludacris come out there and tell me I'll take that, rewind it back and all that, you better clap, god damn it. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, did, did you mention you don't have to call already? You don't, uh, you don't have to call the song where it's like, that's on the borderline because you can dance to it, of course, right? Um, a song like Caught Up, you know, you can you can, you can can dance to it so like he can get away with it. But when it's like, you you know, you remind me of a girl or it's, um you know, uh, you got it bad or burn. Classic. You got it bad. Classic. Or Yeah, these are all, no, these are all classics, but it's like, it's not necessarily appropriate for uh, the venue, right? Or for the mm, stage. This gonna be this gonna be nasty. Like it, it's the same. It's a, it's a it's a similar conundrum to why like Adele got offered the Super Bowl halftime show. And she like almost immediately rejected it a couple years ago. She's like, "Fuck, I'm gonna do sing um somebody someone like you at that Super Bowl halftime show." That, you want me to play, you want me to you want me to sing Turning Table at the Super Bowl halftime show? All I got is like rolling the deep. So yeah, like he he is gonna be interested what he plays. And the thing for me is like as as go ahead. Nice and slow. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> that shit needs to be on there. <laughs> so uh let let them come into our world. So, so it was interesting to me because I, I mentioned, you know, the uh the like at the end as basically move people moved on from him as like moved past his his what his prime was and basically determined like, nah, this was your prime, we're done with you. Um like I always thought that, like, look, man, these people that were his core fan base, that he started making more music to uh, keep continue making making the money come in and keep making, you know, being on top of the charts. As R and B as a genre has has died, unless it's white people doing it, like, Pete, like, they basically hated all that shit he made. So, like, the people that have like been on the on the front lines, if you will, banging the drum for him to have a Super Bowl halftime show, like. The stuff that you want him to play ain't stuff really conducive to him putting on uh, the best show when it comes to the singing and the dancing and all the stuff that he can do on stage. So the stuff he's gonna have to play uh, to make to uh, to subsidize some of that stuff because uh, his catalog uh, being so heavy, uh, you know, into the relationship stuff is the stuff you hate. So it's gonna be a it's gonna be a real like two uh, two Americas of Usher stuff when it comes to like because like he can play o- OMG and when he plays OMG. I love that song, so I'm going to enjoy it. But a lot of them going to sit there and be like, this ain't for us. And I'll be like, hey, man, uh, y'all got to stop this shit of, uh, of this ain't for us or this ain't for whoever. Because I, I I can tell you this, Usher Black Ass made it. So what the fuck are we talking about? So it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Always and, like um, that song. You know, regardless uh, of whatever he plays, nobody's, whatever set list he plays for People that don't know him from just the radio, people that were his day one or, or year one fans, uh, people that picked up after confessions or whatever else. There is no nothing he could he, there's nothing he could play to where he's gonna satisfy everybody. He may the best, best he can do is basically play like one or two for all these people. But it's gonna be interesting so to see because no one's gonna it, be exactly hundred percent happy. So it's the good old Adrian Balboa conundrum. You can't win. He can't. <laughs> there's nothing he can do to win this one. Nothing. 
Everybody's gonna Sick. feel like he left some on the table based off their personal taste of what Usher's catalog or what they like in his catalog. Unless you're someone like me that likes most of it anyway. Man, um, I yeah, man. Because up to me, I'd be like, hey, you like you mentioned that nice slow. Look, go out there and play my way. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Hey, that that yeah yeah same. My look, way is dope like too. just cut before he says a little midget. Just 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 before you go to the rap breakdown <laughs> in the second verse. Just just cut that. Just cut that. all the rap breakdowns got to go. You yeah, know? just just cut that. Cut that. Uh, you think he's gonna do papers? Yes. Yeah, man, that was wild. <laughs> so, um, who are the Usher features like? Like, like who do you think he needs to bring out? Like, because he got to bring out Lil John and Ludacris, right? He should bring out Lil John Ludacris for the same reason that, like, um, so Katy Perry when she did the 2014 Super Bowl uh, or 15, whichever year it was, uh, she had brought out Missy Elliott, right? And it was like. You know, when you're a star like that, you got to make all these ensemble changes. You got to go from different sets, you know, because Super Bowl halftime, you almost use the whole damn field. So it's like, you got to go from here to here, whatever else, unless you're, you know, you're one person who's like, I'm just going to be like a Beyonce or I'm going to be like the the weekend. I'm just going to do this whole visual effects thing to like cover for it. But like, if you're going to make like the the kind of wardrobe change that you traditionally expect a, a single person show to be, like you throw, you play, yeah. So you get Lil John DJing and you also get, um, Ludacris rapping. Ludacris rapping. Ludacris can then play another song, like whether it's Roll Out or, you know, Southern Hospitality. I don't know where Super Bowl is this year. Like, whatever he wants to play. Vegas. It's in Ve- okay, Southern Hospitality, it, it don't work for that. But, if it was, you know, if it was like, you know, somewhere else. But whatever. Like, regardless, like a place like he, that. He, he could play Runaway Love. He played Runaway Love at a Super Bowl. I, I would be, wow. <laughs> wow. Anyway, so. It allows Usher to then move on and do something else and change wardrobe, or whatever. So you know he wants to play. He wants to change wardrobes. Like remember when that man? Remember that Super Bowl or like the All Star game he did when he was out there playing that uh the, that that Moore song or whatever else. That man was out there. And, uh, what was it? A fabulous had clown him and said that man dressed like even the, the battle on the on the glad and the, sorry the gladiatorial Roman Coliseum and shit. Like yeah, man, he's gonna have a whole bunch of ideas. So, and also, you know, he's a, he's a Toys R Us kid, like, he's 43, and he's still out, or 43, 44 at this t- stage, and he's still out here dressing like he's 22, like, he's really, like, one, he's one of them young Atlanta niggas, so, like, he's gonna... I, I, I just, I just yeah. want some Ush Bucks to, to, to appear, like, he gotta make it rain Ush Bucks, have the Ush Bucks falling from the, from the ceiling of, of the venue, uh, if, if we can get Lil John one song, can we get Who You With, just, just, just I, you know... <laughs> Look, there's all there's limited words in it, you know. They, they, they don't really have to work on beeping nothing, you know. I, I don't. I don't think they're gonna play that one. I don't think they're gonna play that one. I don't think they're gonna go deep into the Lejean. Uh, what is that? Uh, is that put your hood up? I don't think they're going to. I don't think they're going to like the the 2001 Lejean Eastside Boys catalog. I just don't think they're gonna oh, dig that. That's what, I, that's what I'm trying to. You know, that's what I'm trying to see. You know, um, man. <sighs> I don't really think Usher and Jay Z have too many notable songs together. Um, they got what? Uh, they got Hot Toddy that uh, Polo produced. Yo. They have. They did another song besides that that was on. What well, they did some on, on Kingdom Come? Yeah, and it was not good. Right. Uh, it yeah, was, it was, it's, it's one of those anything. things where like it just didn't work. It just didn't work. They tried yep. it. It was almost like Jay Z was like, 
all right, you know, you know, the whole situation with R. Kelly, you know, where you got maced or whatever else. Like, all right, I'll, I'll pick the, I'm going to ride with the new king. It, it didn't, it didn't quite work the same yeah. way. Got also uh-huh. go back in time. I think Jay Z wants uh wants that guilty to approve it. It's a song off of uh off his catalog when it's featuring R. Kelly, and that man says Jigga Kelly not guilty. What do you mean Jigga and Kelly? What did Jigga do along with Kelly? Bro, I, I was I was in Springfield, Mass over the weekend, right? And I was out in the club. One, the Northeast DJs are, are suffering. Um, for one, uh, I'll get into that more okay. maybe in the post show, but okay. man, it's bad up there. Uh, them DJs, they, they need to be thrown in jail. Is it, you know, is it like rounded North, up? Is, is it, a, is it like the North never, uh, lost? Is that, is that right? Ooh, okay. Like, I, Interesting. I was, look, when I'm hearing fabulous, can't let you go at 1 a.m. prime time, brother. We're, we're like, what are we doing? Um, they ain't gonna but, play, uh, they, ain't, they ain't gonna play like, uh, they're not gonna play none of the drill stuff. Uh, they played some of it, but man, uh, this this guy that, that was going, it was mm. every time he gets something rolling, he mess it up. But I even forgot my point now. But um, <laughs> they, uh, I don't know, man. It's uh, as far as Watcher plays, I I I I think it's going to be one of the great. Con- I feel like this. If someone kept track of this, right. Mm-hmm. We've got like four. We've got like a four or five month Twitter conversation on our hands right here. People can submit their own Usher Super Bowl playlist. Usher, you know what Usher should do? He should he should hold a vote, hold a fan vote. He should, he should be running polls, straw polls. He should be putting out uh, Twitter polls. He should be uh, having song elimination tournaments. Be like, you know, this is you know whatever, but. You don't know what order he's going to play it in, mm-hmm. um, and, and collect collect all the data and, and see what's out there, and be like, "Hey, man, I just I just listed the analytics. You know, it wasn't me. You know, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting because it's like, uh, like for example, Beyonce, right? Beyonce at uh, at the Renaissance tour, like she'll play one plus one, right? One plus one is a love ballad with like a almost like a Prince, uh, like guitar uh, solo at the end of it, right? And she blows. Uh, like crazy at the end, right? And the whole thing is like, it's like the end of the world, and like it's me and you together, and like just make just make love to me, right? That's like people. That's a that's a staple Beyonce song for Black women, right? Uh, some of our uh, queer white uh, brothers and sisters they go to the Beyonce album and they like, why are you playing a B side? And they be getting attacked on Twitter because they should shut the fuck up. <laughs> So, like, that's that. All of that is like the whole. That's gonna be a Super Bowl halftime show. And keep in mind, when Beyonce shows up, she don't play that at the Super Bowl halftime show. She plays Formation at the Super Bowl halftime show because she got it in her bag. Usher don't have that that much stuff like that in her in his bag. So that's what that's the thing. I was like, I always think it's interesting. Is like Usher absolutely deserves it. I wonder what he's going to play and how people are going to be disappointed with whatever he plays. It's gonna be so interesting. He can't win. He really can't win. On the same day that Usher um, <laughs> was named as a Super Bowl halftime performer, I don't even know where to begin with, with, with this story, James. <laughs> Bro, I, I, I still, I still can't believe this shit's real. Is it, I'm still trying to figure out if it actually is in fact real. This is this. This Chris is so- Brown has been hit with a two million dollar lawsuit over an unpaid Popeyes chicken roll. No. 
alone. Hey, no, no, you should have said, wait, until unpa- a $2 million unpaid loan to Popeye's Chicken. You're like, wait, what? <laughs> Bro, <laughs> what the fuck? Well, first of all, why the fuck does he owe two, $2 million to Popeye's? That's what the fuck I'm trying to figure what out. What are you doing? First oh. off, another thing. Why the fuck did Popeye's Chicken give him the $2 million? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck's going on? Yo. This, so this used to be a Rihanna. This used to be Rihanna uh, meme. That used to go around, and I'm just gonna repeat it. This is the ghetto shit I ever seen in my life. I have never said the word ghetto in 11 years on this show. I'm saying it here. This is the ghetto shit I ever heard in my life. The uh, the R&B singer, the black R&B singer, one of the three most important black up, R&B singers of our life, or black singers of our lifetime, right? He has a he has he's on the hook to get sued for taking two million dollars on loans from a chicken joint. What? This is embarrassing. This is a stereotype. This is a, stere- a stereotype in real life. Does, does Rock Nation have something to do with this? Has <laughs> Rock Nation decided, hey, you know, on the same day we 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 announced Usher, we gonna we gonna stick it to Chris Brown a little bit on the other side, you know, an, a permanent enemy, you know, after that man tried to fuck that Rihanna bag up, a permanent enemy. I I I. I... I don't know what the fuck that is. Okay, so I, it's, just, it's just goofy, man. It's goofy. Like two I, million dollars for the chicken sandwiches. <laughs> I love Popeyes too, but 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 for but, but two million dollars, no. Okay, seriously though. I, um, my question is this, right? Like, is it a situation where like the same people that own like the company that quote unquote owns uh or not quote unquote that that owns like. Popeye's chicken, dude, like they own a bunch of other stuff, and like one of the other places is the place that gave Chris Brown the loan, so now they're making a joke out of it. Like this shit says literally Popeye's chicken. That don't even make sense to me. What is going on? Apparently, Chris Brown is not alone in this. There's there's someone else um that is on this. Who? So it's someone we know, don't we? Who who the I'm fuck go- is it? I'm gonna read it off. God damn it. According to the legal documents attained by the blast, City National Bank is suing Brown for $2 million, alleged it loaned him money to acquire a pair of Popeye's locations. Okay. The The lawsuit claims the loan, which was given to several people, including Brown, and the dream remains unpaid as of February 17, 2023. The borrower and guarantors owe $2,140,901.74 $2,140,901.74 in unpaid principal and interest. Technically, the lawsuit is in the state of Georgia, but the bank filed a case in L.A. as Brown currently lives there. It's unclear if they are suing the dream over his alleged share of the loan. The lawsuit names Brown as a personal guarantor, which means he's on the hook for the unpaid portion of the loan. They have been trying to get their money back from Chris Brown since 2018 um, and has already won a default judgment against him in Georgia. As a result, the new motion filed (laughs) has been filed in L.A. and the bank claims he owes $1.3 million. Okay. I guess he it's will be dropping several other 45 song albums. He said he's going to stop doing that this year. 
He, like, I know, I know. That's the joke because that's the last two or the two albums of, uh, from like the last like three years were like that. Like his most recent album isn't like that. But, but whatever. Like I haven't listened to his last, most recent album, which is weird. This, like, I, this I'm is a huge, absolutely outrageous. Listen to Chris Brown's music. I'm not a fan of Chris Brown. I love his music. I, I, I he's a terrible person. I like. He's one of those people where it's like, you know, when it comes to anyone problematic, it's like, is their music like good enough for them to for them to for you to still listen to them regardless of the terrible person they are? Chris Brown clears that bar for me personally i don't feel great about it I, at every at every point i'm just like he's a terrible person like it's interesting that people are talking about like usher's like the last iconic like musical artist or entertainer that we have that can do a super Bowl halftime show and people are like what about chris brown I'm like under no circumstances chris chris brown be on the super bowl halftime stage right they can't go through that after the pr disaster that was ray rice in the rihanna stuff we can't we, he cannot be do he can the, the optics are awful he cannot be a super bowl halftime performer ever do you do you know the think pieces that would exist here oh my god yeah it'd be they, bad for everybody earn everyone they, they would earn every one of them right right so like, like Roger Goodell. So how do you so 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 apparently the NFL loves domestic violence again? Look, still again, yeah. Like you know, it really would line up with the ideals of the league, like on the low. So maybe they should consider this, James. But yeah, man. Uh, I just thought it was funny. Two million dollars chicken, Chris Brown. This headline is ridiculous. It, um, it's, yeah, but. Yeah. Yeah, I you know, and ask questions about Rock Nation. Ask questions. They moving that nasty, huh? Speaking of moving nasty, WWE will be moving <sighs> its shit from the channel of Fox to the USA Network. Uh, they're getting a raise, a forty percent raise of, I believe, a one point four billion dollar deal to take SmackDown back to USA. The USA has watched its dope uh, get sold on another block and rebought the dope. But they were saying they are not going to... like These rights are getting so big for each of these shows. This is no guarantee that Raw and NXT will remain on USA. Mm -hmm. I think before that, we should talk about... um, Oh, yeah. What what do you mean rumor, Brewhaven? I've been dropping that gem for like a year and a half. Now... Um, <laughs> One Nation Radio always ahead. Um, but you've been speculating because of the whole, uh, you know, Stephanie not wearing a ring, especially at the time when she got uh, sent away from or she got let go or whatever else. So yeah, there was there was a lot of talk to that. Um, since then, yeah, um, speculation, so, not talk. Yeah. But I kind of want to talk about Fox and WWE, WWE and Fox. They started this relationship in 2019. I think people thought it would transform WWE into a just this huge entity, like this boom period. And yep. in in some aspects, like it has, right? I mean, like, from live attendance, it definitely has. Yeah, from live attendance, yeah. and you know, it's almost like that. But like, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, you know, some of the stuff that we. Um, kind of would say from time to time and you know this goes in conjunction with the AWTV deal stuff like I always felt like man Fox ain't paying all this money for only this 
right. in the ratings. Right. And it, and it was it, apparent when, when the Wii 2 ratings came in, they were like, oh, they went from four point something million or four point something to like one point something or two point something. Like it dropped off a clip after week one. Yeah. And it was like, I don't know. I think I think that the, the platform has not been used to the best of its, its, its ability. Um, yeah. They they have like. They have their own ceiling that I think they, you know, I think they they swindle Fox a little bit through this whole thing, and then Fox finally kind of woke up and was like, "Hey, man, like all you have to do is like look down the dial." Like at the at different points, AW was was rising and falling, and then it was like, "What is the point of like paying a billion dollars for you know this show that?" If you stick it on FS1, it goes off a fucking cliff. Um, if you just look at the ratings, it's like it it just wasn't like ever this thing that it should have been like as far as like, yo, this is the biggest platform possible for WWE. And I would say never, they, I would say they never caught it. on like that. And I would say they fell with it up until like this year. Mm-hmm. Like this year is the first year to actually like did well considering like the landscape of TV and like the amount of homes that have gone down year over year over year and like what number they're actually doing and the demos actually like changing and flipping, you know, towards and skewing younger. Like this was the first year they actually Fox actually got return on their investment after it's been a sunk cost for <laughs> the first three years. So it's like them not wanting to re-up it is like, well, I get it. They've because been losing like, like, like 150 million dollars. Like, you want to get stuck to where like all of a sudden something happens in like now you're eating shit for you know for five more years, right? And um, they decided they're out of the wrestling business. And I think this will um, be worse for the wrestling business overall. Um, yeah. yeah, because WWE being on Fox obviously was good for WWE. Yeah. I don't I don't know if it was good for anyone else, but in WWE's case, they were able to kind of transform SmackDown into an a property right when it was always kind of like you know there's also smackdown like <laughs> there's also the temptations you know <laughs> but like i i think wwe should be very careful about moving raw off of monday nights it's a 30-year tradition that you yep. play with and i know i know they don't care about any of that like they will be like yeah it's going to wednesdays like they'll, they'll do it to fuck with aw if you know they'll do whatever and put it, you know, some people say, hey, sh- maybe a streaming company is going to do this. Uh, they're going to move Raw to Amazon. I think that is not smart whatsoever. I mean, um, uh, the money has to be ridiculous yeah. to, for me to even it, consider it anything be, like that. It, right. It has to be like the Thursday night football type of overpayment type of thing to, to justify where it's like, all right, fine. Like, you're going to pay us this much money. No one even cares about Thursday night football. The games suck always anyway. Throw our bad football there, and then if you and if your person always complains about how bad football is, you ain't gotta watch it because you ain't gonna pay for it, and you're gonna pay us a boatload of money, so it don't even matter. Yeah, and, and all this money, like it's almost like where's this money come from, coming from? Like, what well, with these streaming services because all of them seem to be shutting down or or always have money issues or and, pulling, yep, yep, <clears throat> and pulling material off their sites and their servers, yep, yep, yep. And it's like, all right, man, NBC Universal, like they they get tricked into thinking SmackDown is gonna be like still SmackDown. Like I have I have news for them. They they drop that shit to cable. That shit is going to be right. 
lower. Right. Um, and that's why that's why I would be very cautious. Like you're not doing two million. No. Right. I would be very cautious about moving Raw off of Mondays, especially. Um, you know, we know WWE will pull every trick in the book. They'll yeah. load up on nostalgia. They'll they'll stack the deck on you know whatever weeks they feel they need to. Um, but their their business is going to be really interesting to watch because it's not that like like the money's still insane, right? right? Like they let's not get you know obviously like you hear this and it's like yeah man they are making one point four billion dollars on this deal. What's the problem? It's like the well problem is the problem is people are when you don't when it's out of sight out of mind less people watch it and when less people watch it less people are less likely to attend and then your attendance goes down and then you start when then once attendance goes down then you start worrying about the ratings. Because historically, once a live attendance goes down, then goes the ratings. That's the reason why, like, people are looking around and like those soft, those very, very ice or uh, soft serve uh, events for these AEW shows. And like, uh, should we be should we worried right now? Like, that's the reason why. Um, yeah. And you know, WWE to their credit, like they got Cena in, they got Rock in. Um, you know, the Bloodline thing is still going. Uh, because it's it's drawing people in, and like they have, they're still getting two million people every single week for SmackDown of late, um, and this is the year where it's actually like you know paid off for. It's actually been a good deal for Fox, but like they're they're getting out, and like the whole concern is like what happens like it's like it's, you wasted once, this platform, once like you, you blew this, the opportunity, right? right. Once you put that shit on USA. It's gonna be two hours out of three, so obviously it's gonna help. But it's like they're not. It's not like they're gonna go back and, and you know pull in two point five. Hell no, it's not happening. So um, and I don't even yeah. know how many less home, how many how many like millions less homes uh, USA is compared to Fox. It has to be dozens of millions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, you know, moving from that um, is. It was firing season again. Uh, the merger is complete. Yeah. Yeah. CKO Holdings um, has, has decided. Yeah, it's time to start trimming. Uh, and let's announce. Let's announce that we got a new TV deal. The biggest TV deal we've ever had. We're gonna make more money than we ever had. Like we make more money every year than we ever had. Every previous year, year over year. And let's as we do that, let's now fire more people after we guarantee after we pay we offer to get, sign these people up. It, we wasted their time. Yeah. And this should be a dead giveaway, I think, for the TV deal too. Like they they cut all these people, and it's like, well, I guess this is the response to signing a deal that was less. You know, they took a haircut a little bit. Um, but uh, I guess the biggest one of them all now. Um, he broke after everyone's the release of Matt Riddle. Man, when you talk about wasted talent and like someone that's just like an all world level guy uh in the ring for he's as much of a problem out of it apparently and like there's a lot about him you know being a sexual deviant that's out there there are horror stories that exist um there are you know just i don't know man it's is really is is a really bad situation um with Matt Riddle and it's like when you are too much for the UFC and the WWE. 
Jesus Christ. Like, and we, these are organizations that will look the other way in a heartbeat um, for, <laughs> for something, but it's like, yo, we, kn- we know the stories that exist. Imagine the ones we don't know. Right, right. And there are, look, there are drug test issues. Um, there are lots of other issues uh, with Matt Riddle. Like, you know, there, him, him disappearing off of uh, SummerSlam, uh, you know, a couple years ago was not an accident, by the way. Um, there, are, <laughs> there are, you know, and, you know, him just being gone for 30 days at a time and then getting yanked off TV. Like, these were not, like, these were not storyline write-offs. This was this was you know the deal that he had going on with the airport a couple weeks ago. Um, that was like, what the fuck happened here? Um, I still never heard the whole thing. Like I only heard his side, and then like, everyone was like me, like, nah, it's bullshit. Right. Yeah. So this guy has all the talent in the world. Oh well. sad like really sad and like i don't know you know he, he, i don't know if he tries to go back to mma uh i don't know if he reaches for for his phone and you know there's other wrestling promotions interested in bringing him in um we we know we know what the deal is if, if he you know shows up in aw what it'll be disaster man um uh, on many levels <laughs> like look don't get me look <clears throat> Before I found all this stuff, before all, we all found out about this stuff with Riddle, like five years ago, this 2018, 2019, you could have signed me up for you could have signed me up for Matt Riddle versus Kenny Omega any day of the week. I don't care. I don't want to see it. I don't want him in AEW. Um, like you know, there'll still be. I'm, I'm sure he'll get a call to to eventually, you know, go to New Japan like he was planning on doing before New before uh, WWE said, Nah, come here. Before they saw New Japan as a domestic threat, but um, yeah, uh, yeah, man, just uh, a waste of, a waste of extreme talent. Yeah, um, Mustafa Ali. Uh, this guy has been trying to get his release for a long time, and he finally got his wish. Um, this is a talented, talented guy. Like he's been um, trying to get like, what 2020? something like that. The, the, like, the one. Remember, Retribu- he wanted out before retribution. Retribution was during was during the the dome. Yeah. Uh, what I almost called it the bubble. What was this shit called? The Thunderdome. Thunderdome. Yeah. 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 Um. Now this guy like is is a creative guy, right? Um. Uh, they do have a lot of guys in AW that already kind of wrestle like Mustafa Ali. He is on the wrong side of thirty five, but I would consider three things. He is creative. He can come up with his own stuff, uh, which would probably work well for him. Um, Brian Danielson's a known supporter of his, um, you know, and then third, I could imagine TK wanting to push a Pakistani guy that is from Chicago. I I, I feel like that would kind of be up, you know, his alley (laughs) kind of, and he's almost made in a lab for Tony Khan. Um, so I, I think that he, will eventually be in AEW. Um I, I would be excited to see what he does. Uh, but I do have questions about him because it's like, all right, there are so many guys that they have. They really don't need anybody that right. was released from WWE right. here. Um, I agree. 
and that's that's not not a uh, affront to Ali's talent right. or anything. Um, I, I will say this though, um, somebody else in a different company um, contract is coming up, and if um, they bring him in. I don't want to hear this shit about we got too many guys because you already got too many guys. You bringing in someone that's not as talented as some of the people that just got really released from WWE. So, like, I don't want to hear it. I don't give a damn how many people are, are their backstage or friends of his or think he's a genius. They think the same thing as some of these other motherfuckers that got let go from WWE. So, don't want to hear it. Don't care. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's uh, I, there, there's talent there. There's there's hunger there. Um, I just don't know about the positioning because like it's like who do you push him over? And yep. problem and, for everybody. It's a problem. Like and you just add in one more kind of kind of thing in there. It's like all right, where do we go with this guy now? Yep. And I think AW should focus on the roster it has right now. Um, Dolph Ziggler. Let me start a clap for Dolph Ziggler. You got that rapist money for 19 years. Um, <laughs> that's that's a full career uh, guy. You know, I, I Dolph Ziggler has been, you know, at different times. He was, he was one of my favorite guys. At other times, I thought it was just, you know, mailing it in, yeah. whatever. Uh, he's drenched in WWE. This guy never did the indie scene. Like, this guy has never done, like, Outside appearances, this man has made so much money in WWE, um, and it's like I imagine he did not cry. He did not, you know, he, he probably got down and was like, "Well, done with that. Guess I can do something else." Like whether you know he wants to, you know, I I, I could easily see Ziggler in AEW. Uh, I I don't I wouldn't have the same concerns about Ali because Ziggler is like more kind of a. Uh, like an established veteran that would probably be cool against a couple people. They could always put him with his brother. Um, they could always do. He, he, this guy can talk. He can make fans believe. He can be a heel. Yeah. He, he can do whatever. Um, you know, would I necessarily sign him and uh, forget about a Daniel Garcia? I, I would not like because like the answer for AEW is not pushing mid 2000s or early 2010s guys from wwe like it's just not the answer like <laughs> it's like like that's not gonna make you a bigger company so yeah. like invest in your guys your natural resources there and keep like if you bring these guys in like you're bringing them in to put other people to put deal. over darby and jungle boy and hook and the rest of the pillars yes in big in big spots but Ziggler had lots of great moments in WWE. Yeah. He had lots of down moments as well. Yes. Uh, you know, what if this guy didn't get concussed all the time? This guy was a great bumper. This guy um, did a lot of, like, great wrestling, like, without flying, which is, I think, a hard feat in itself. Yeah. Like, I can't I can't imagine. Like, I, I can't think of a single top rope move this guy ever did. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy for all the Shawn Michaels comparisons and everything. It, yeah. Like, it's fun. Don't you ever notice this? these people that get these Shawn Michaels comparisons like Ziggler and Cole? It's like, where the fuck is their top rope work then? Like, yeah. like, like where's their verticality Like, where's, where's the moonsault? Where's the elbow drop? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but this guy... 
he's he's got talent. He is just like a he's a vestige of yesteryear. And if it's me, I would probably stay away. But I'm not living in alt reality. I feel like we will see him. Yeah. So I just we probably should have started first with with Dolph, um, considering you know he's a two time Grand Slam champion in WWE. <laughs> like they fired a dude that like should absolutely make their Hall of Fame. I'm not saying he should headline the Hall of Fame like he's the fucking Rock or, or Triple H or Batista or anything, but like he should be somebody that's like in the next decade or so should be brought into a super to a one of those uh, things d- does his speech and then comes out there for WrestleMania with the rest of the people and people clap for him because he was a he was a mainstay in WWE forever and that dude was a bit of an Iron Man like so this is how you know like how long and how important he actually is to the company and whatever else. Here we go. I'm not going to, I'll save the person who tweeted this after just seeing these releases. Now these days are so fucking tough for the ones who gave their all to our crazy world of pro wrestling, like Dolph Ziggler, a decorated WWE career. I'll always be a supporter and a fan. Can't wait to see what he does and what everyone does next. Hashtag onward. Do you want to know who tweeted that? Was that the Ric Flair one? No. Oh, so that yes. Well, Ric Flair also sent a nice, ah. a lot of nice words out about Dolph Ziggler as well. Would you please let us know it's who like, said that, James? Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> Dwayne, Rock then with with this tweet posted a picture that says nineteen years, one thousand five hundred and fifty four matches on TV, third most in the company's history. Two-time W or two-time World Heavyweight Champion, one-time NXT Champion because remember he was the NXT Champion yeah. uh, recently. Six-time IC Champion, two-time United States Champion, four-time Tag Team Champion, 2012 Money in the Bank winner. He is a two-time Grand Slam winner. Yeah, John Cena also put this guy over on Twitter huge. Yeah, and think of the and think of the burials John Cena has put has given Ziggler on screen. Think yeah. of those in the early 2000s. Many, many of them. Yeah. Drop dude um, on that man. Remember that? Yes. Literal shit on this man. Yes. Um, you know, to Ric Flair, uh, to uh, AJ Lee, I think, said some, some, or I think it was AJ. No, it was uh, it was Lana uh, talking about Ziggler. Like, everyone was talking about Ziggler loves this guy. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Big E basically said, you know, Ziggler was like the reason he was able to learn a lot of stuff, you know, coming up in it because you knows Biggie was paired with Ziggler, ironically, around the same time One Nation Radio was starting. So, right. <laughs> um, you know, this guy for a certain amount of time, like, and it just didn't happen for him. It's like going to be hard. To, it's going to be hard to explain to people that like that are younger, that weren't around at the time. And like, yo, he was on the cusp. Like the shit that's happened. The shit that's happened with Cody, like. We were all like, yo, that Ziggler guy's more talented, but like they should probably face each other and have like the Rock Austin or not, or not the, Rock, the Rock Triple H type of thing. Like they have their few each other and it's so works so well that like they can move on to like be people that can semi main event shows together. Like remember, remember like 2020 or whatever year we started watching, like the next year, the next two years, like we were like fantasy booking that like they have a match for the IC title at WrestleMania. Never happened, of course, but yeah, we were like that should be the feud. Bro, I was like, Cody Rose versus Dolph Ziggler should main event WrestleMania 30 at one point. <laughs> he, 
there you go. But but keep in mind, this is but this that, was this is this like was, three years before that or whatever. This, but this is at the time where like we had just got back into wrestling and we thought it worked the same way it used to work. Where it's like Correct. if you're in, like you get the mid card belt, that means that like we are short, we are putting you on the short track towards eventually becoming a main eventer. Like and it worked when we were like ten or whatever else. Yeah. And then we then we realized like quickly it'll work like years, that. Like, as we get more and more pissed at this thing, like we moved away from WWE and moved on to other things, like yo, this place does not work how it used to work. And if it did, it will work so much better because it will make more sense how you how you track people up and down cars. But everyone stays around forever, and no one ever gets fired anymore. And uh, and also for the good, no one dies from steroids and drug and drugs and, and booze like that anymore. So like that's a that's a that's a plus of it, but it, part of it is like also the churn was at an all time snail's pace for forever. No one ever, or, sorry, no one important ever got fired, and like up until like AEW happened, people started leaving out. So you actually started people getting the chance. Like think of what like you think LA Knight will be doing what he's doing right now if like Moxley and Danielson and and Christian and you know whoever and Jericho were still in WWE? Hell no, they would never give him a shot. Yep. This is the benefit of having two major pro wrestling companies in this country again. So from there, there are a host of other people that range from, you know, people that just had issues backstage to people that were just around too long to NXT people we've never heard of. Yeah. Um, I think the funniest of the remaining ones uh, by far is top dollar. Um, what a what a what another run. Uh, for for top dollar here, um, this is like, I think we can put it to bed to where people are asking for a full hit row reunion and Swerve and Top Dollar reunited with B Fab and Ashante the Adonis. Like I, I think we can put people going in Swerve comments away. We can put it away of saying, don't you wish you were back in WWE with Hit Row? I think we can stop that now. Um, I was reading Twitter the other other week. Top Dog called himself the best promo in the business. So um, him uh, remaining employed and, and you know pushed in a professional wrestling company should not be too hard for Top Dollar. Um, I... Uh, <coughs> Thought it was very interesting that only he was let go and not uh, B-Fab and, and Ashanti the Adonis. Um, two people that I always heard have sterling reputations. Um, B-Fab in particular being a total pro about pretty much everything. Top dollar. It's hard, man. When you're, when you're that big, that black, that outspoken, that kind of unaware at times of, of how this all works um, while having maybe maybe some points about you know what your gripes are and, and how you're treated and everything but never quite being able to for as as depth as he was with his words struggled to express himself in a way to draw fans to his side to make to be engaging, uh, to take the heat off yourself a little bit, like amongst the fans. Um, and I just think WWE was like, what are we doing here after all this time? Um, so 
you know, if he, he I think I think he wants to remain in wrestling. He was putting up his booking uh, information around I think January first from there. So if he wants to remain, you know, in, in wrestling, I, I you, you got let go twice in WWE. I, they were trying to teach you something, I guess. Hopefully, these lessons are learned. But I would find it pretty improbable to imagine him in AEW. Uh, I, I don't think that will be his de- destination. Um, I think <laughs> he may end up maybe as an impact wrestler. Um, he said he spoke with them before, but. I think the highlight uh, of his uh, run was the failed top rope dive that I think will live on in wrestling Twitter perpetuity. Um, And I'm trying to like say all this stuff with the straightest face possible because, you know, like people's livelihoods are taken from, I don't want to, you know, just, you know, go off like that. But James, what what do you think of this release? I'm going to get out of the way. It's unfortunate. Look, um, <laughs> I was over here trying to hold it the fuck together when, uh, <laughs> when, in, <laughs> when in the chat, uh, Seth, uh, Rich Hogan said, uh, that failed dive will live forever. I was trying to hold it the fuck together, and then you actually brought it, and you actually mentioned that loud, and I was like, alright, I, I can't. <laughs> can't um Seth, Seth Rogan he did in fact top rope catch a vibe yes, yes kind of vibes yes, is. Yeah. uh look um I think there's a role for him as a heavy obviously um like if someone like Trench could get a spot he could get a spot um I think in a way we're kind of past that kind of thing except for getting like you know a little heat here and there in pro wrestling. Like, if Sora wants to do that favor for him, cool. I have no problem with it. Um, I don't think he has stepped the line so far that, like, people can't do biz with him if they so choose. Um, what I will say is, though, if they if he comes into AEW, there are some things that I would like to see him do in AEW. Uh, and I think I tweeted about it, but, like, one of the first things I would like to see him do is I'd like to see him on BTE, and I would like to see him, uh, like, interact with the young bucks i like to see the young bucks give him a pair of shitty uh pandas uh as a present and he got a and he got a he got a grin and bit he got a he got a smile through it because look man you you, you were taught look he was he he didn't say anything that was that crazy but it was like he's clearly taking shots at these people that he doesn't know for no re- for no good reason and it's like this is the reason why as a you shouldn't throw this kind of stuff for no good reason like, the whole thing where he got heat with the locker room for saying, like, after a bunch of people got fired before, they're like, we can cut promo so we don't worry about that kind of stuff. It's like, bro. It wasn't think, about that, man. It, it, this ain't about that. Like, this is people getting fired because this is a because you work for a, a conglomerate, right? Like, you work for a corporation, and corporations are heartless. They don't give a fuck about how good you're, what value you actually bring. They're, they, they're worried about how to um, make more money for themselves because they're greedy bastards. And like, so it came off as, you know, very similar to like the stuff that Braun Strowman said about uh, the indie scene a couple years back. Like, you just seem like a person that doesn't understand, that doesn't know or understand the people that are like 
kind of helped pave the way for you that you were unaware of because this wasn't like the thing that you started off in. And like, you don't necessarily, uh, all these people, your career, because obviously you got there based off your own, you know, God given abilities and what God bless you with as far as size, or whatever else. But like, it would, it would, it would help you in the long run to have some self-awareness, humility that's like, hey, like there are, there are going to be winners and there are going to be losers and like not to count on the losers because the lose who winning winning and losing in this game comes down to the whims of one seventy year old person that's out of his fucking mind. The margins are this close, right? So yeah, like um, people got off in his ass uh, with the jokes or whatever else because hey, you know. Yo. <laughs> I know how to finish the sentence. People got off in his ass with the jokes. I, I didn't just stop right there. That's crazy, right? <laughs> We're gonna be doing this for the rest of the year. Damn you, Mace. Damn you, Cameron. Anyway, breaking news. Uh, yeah. Katsuhiko Nakajima is leaving Pro Wrestling Noah at the end of October. Really? Really? Uh, that apparently, according to the chat. Wow. So, um, wow. I, I I hope uh, he's not reporting to Orlando. I hope he is not uh going to going to QAnon. He look too you know. old. He'd be a little too old to be showing up uh in the PC. Also, he kicked too hard to be showing up in the PC. I don't want to see Nakajima in uh in the PC. Say, hey man, can you not can you not do what you do that makes your matches go? That would be a he will that terminate would. his contract with Pro Wrestling Noah. His last match will be on October twentieth and October twenty eighth. Wow, that's crazy. Like they just did the whole like Axis reunion as like the thing that was like holding Noah together as far as drawing and selling merch with the t-shirts and everything. That's that stinks. Um maybe he can jump to Shindy Han. I would like that. Um you know, like they had him they had him lose early. Like I think it's I think uh Jake Lee's first defense was against uh was against was against Nakajima. And it's like, hey man, like your defenses are pretty good, but like that in one Jake Lee had. Aside from his last match, I it obviously it was better than Evil, but it, like it wasn't much better than the Evil G one run, which lets you know, like Jake Lee, just like I thought, he ain't got it. Like these people are carrying him to these matches in these title defenses. That that sounds strikingly similar to Carry On Cross. Yeah. Um. um but I, uh, you know, I, I love to see him in AEW. You know, we we always use some more Japanese wrestlers. I mean, he came over. He came over and did, um, I think, an indie show or two in the last year or so. Yeah, like Marufuji also did too. Um, I think it was maybe Garden State. I can't remember, but yeah, um, whatever. What he wants to do, um, if he ends up somewhere else, that'd be cool. Um, it'd be funny if he showed up in All Japan. It'd be funny. It's like Jake Lee leaves from Noah, goes to or like leaves from all Japan, goes to Noah, and like they're in like Noah outside of the 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 Muda bye bye stuff, like they're they're struggling like crazy, and like all of a sudden when no Jake Lee around, all of a sudden like all Japan like has quickly like more or less surpassed Noah this year. With once you throw out the 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 Tokyo Dome from from Muda that has that's a singular thing that will not be replicable, you know, in future years. Like it's interesting. It's like a lot of Ewing theory there with with uh, with Big Jake Lee. Um, but yeah, I'll go through the rest of this list. Emma gone. 
uh, Rick Boogs gone, Aaliyah gone. Who wants to walk with Elias? Gone. Walk your ass out the company. Um, Riddick Moss. Uh, can gone. we can we can we circle back to Elias? Yeah. So uh, before we had the Discord, we really like did a lot of trafficking on Facebook in a wrestling group called the Wrestling Squared Circle, and um, there was a one of the most toxic uh, like pro WWE fans, a person that like bought a. Jinder Mahal, Mahal, the Maharaja shirt after he won the title and became the 50th WWE champ, world champion. That when Elias came around was like, why are they pushing this Finn Balor guy? This makes no sense. He's small. Elias is huge. He has big muscles. Uh, and he was dead serious. It wasn't joking. He was dead serious. Like, and I, and I explained to him like, dude, like we're in a time where like the best draws and combat fighting are Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor, you know, a, a guy, that, a, guys that fight at, that are welterweights. Like, one of them fights at 147, the other one fights at 160-something. What are we talking about as far as you, you this, the, the size of the shit? Like, it's about who's charismatic and who's not. Not to say that Elias wasn't, because obviously with the, with the you know, the, the whole uh, knockoff rock concerts thing, he definitely had a buzz for him in 2016 uh, and 17. Definitely did. Um, or, sorry, 2017, 18. Definitely yeah. did. But, like, the dude was absolute zero in the ring. He had a V-trigger, an elbow drop, and nothing else. Um, and, you know, it just didn't work outside for him doing the promo thing. And he could never, you know, be able to get into video or music or programs with other people. Meanwhile, like, you know, Finn Balor's still around. He's in one of the most popular factions in the promotion. He's been down, sent back down to New, or NXT and came back. Um, he's feuded with people from the, like that wanted to work, work, work with him, like Seth Rollins, like Edge. Um, like I don't recall anybody wanting to work with like Elias or uh, his cousin Ezekiel. I don't recall any of that over the last three years or so. I seem to recall that like based on the pandemic happened, he never he never was a factor on TV ever again, really, except for a stupid thing, right? That we're like Kevin Owens is making fun of how stupid this whole thing is. I lose his mind over how dumb this Ezekiel Elias thing is. So, yeah, um, take the L. Big time L. Yeah. I'm sorry for being petty and bringing up this shit from 2017, but it was like, I remember having this conversation, <laughs> like, you're out of your mind? Like, Balor's, Balor's certified. I, like, he just, he was, he was a draw in NXT. I, I, wrote I saw these two people in the same promotion, and one was a draw, the other one was just a comedy guy. What are we talking about? You think on a bigger stage is going to be anything's going to be different? What's changed? They, Nothing? Oh, okay. They, I remember writing a column before his match with Seth Rollins at Money in the Bank 2018. Oh and I was like, we're going to finally get the answer yep. in this match because forever they had kept him out of pay-per-view matches, kept him out of singles matches. And I was like, kept this is happening. Hours of shows. Oh, yeah. That man was like the original bottom of the hour uh, yep. guy that we started noticing. Uh, but it was like, we're going to get the answer, and there's a reason they're doing all this. All you have to do is pay attention, and then we found out. <laughs> so it was never the same again. Riddick Moss. This guy was in WWE for 10 years, James. Um, You, you would think he's made for WWE, but I guess not. Great physique, tried hard, seemed to be someone that um the people in the back liked a lot. Like Paul Heyman when look, Paul Heyman liked him so much he went oh out there and God. he went out there and lied about him being like the next Roman Reigns level main eventer or whatever else. 
but whatever. Um, it didn't work out for him, and uh, that stinks. And if he wants to continue in pro wrestling, I don't mind it because like people like him. People like him, and he tries hard. Like that little thing he did a couple years ago with uh, with, with um, McIntyre, I enjoyed. Like he, those two tried hard. Like dude just doesn't have any credibility because he's he's older and he's been and you know he's still he's not like a great wrestler in the ring. But it's like, so like people, y'all, enough, enough people gave him a chance. Enough people talked about him highly to be like, okay, I I can see giving him a chance somewhere. Where would that would be if he wants to continue? I don't know. Like if it's an Impact or ROH, sure. AW, too many people right now. I'm a, I'm gonna be petty too, James. You ever saw any geeks on Twitter gassing up that madcap shit? Ask them how about it now. Oof. And you know who that's for. Oof. Oh, so speaking of that, I thought about that as far as like the madcap thing or whatever else. Um, how many more waves? Well, I'm not gonna say it that way. I'll ask this. Uh. How much longer um, does Baron Corbin have? How much more time does he have left us before he make before he eventually he gets cut? You know, I feel like I Baron don't think Corbin. He, I don't think he has twenty four months left in him. Um, I, I think Corbin is kind of. I think him being tall. Yeah, sure. Here's my question: What has he contributed to WWE that Dolph Ziggler hasn't? Not a goddamn thing. Well, right? he, he's a, he's a lot younger than Dolph Ziggler. Cool. Uh, he's not not that much younger. He's cool. probably like thirty seven. Cool. Cool. He's thirty eight. Look at what Dolph Ziggler comes by the time he was thirty seven in his company, and look what Baron Corbin has accomplished in the time when he's that age. Obviously, he's long. He's longer. Whatever. You want to compare ten year length? You want to compare whatever? Sure. He's had an. He's been around and up on the main roster since two thousand eighteen. I think. I think Vince McMahon likes him. Yeah, <laughs> Vince McMahon likes everybody though. I, I look, I'm not. I'm not saying that I'm hoping or wishing for it. I'm just saying, like, you look at the people that are like next to go, and a lot of this comes down to people that we think a lot of them like. We'll let these people go, and we definitely think don't think they're going to show up in New Japan on Strong and going to pop a number for them at a, and then pop a house number. And we definitely don't think they're going to show up in AEW and make a difference. Baron Corbin would not make a difference in AEW at all. At all. Shelton Benjamin. Um... 48 years old, older than I thought. I didn't think he was that old. I was shocked to find out that he came back to WWE in 2017. People like his Hurt Business stuff. Yeah, People perpetually wanted this guy to get more opportunity. Mm-hmm. Hey, he got that Ravis money. Yep. Um, Dana Brooke. I will say this. He's a person that loves to wrestle. He, you know, he went to Japan. He was wrestling in Noah and in other places in New Japan or whatever else. Uh, so, like, if he, you know, he's older now. He'll obviously, you know, have on a schedule compared to what he was what he was doing back then. But you know, I think he'll still be around, and we'll see him pop up from place to place. And I, and, and people, people have a um, people have a, a nice feeling of nostalgia with Selden Benjamin. So like, I don't, you know, he popped up in AEW to like to go come in for a shot and lose somebody like how RVD did recently. Um, before he got you know signed recently, like I have Just no let him go crazy. I have no problem with him showing up and having some match with like Roderick Strong or whatever. I have no problem with that at all. Dana Brooke around for a very long time. Yeah, you know, it never it never panned out. It it just did, it should have. I remember like when she saw, I was like, oh, she's like this, like like she looked like just super athletic, but it never actually translated into wrestling. So you were watching NXT at the time I wasn't, 
I remember you, 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 you said like she might got something. And I remember watching her and I was just like, I don't see what he see. Um, and like the weird thing about it is like so many reports and so many people like spoke so highly of her and how hard she worked to try to get better at this. And like, this is like the proof is like, it's not, you know, when people talk about, you know, these players, these basketball players or whatever else, like, you know, why can't they just improve their jumper? Hey man, like the creator sometimes only hits you with, with your, and your bars, they only able to extend to this particular level on the, on the meter thing, like of the shot, like, you, you know, your, your attributes or whatever else. You can only clock out at certain thing. Like you can't get to hundred. The most you can get is to a 75. She was never able to go above a certain level in regardless of how hard she tried. And she's been around doing it for a long time. And it's just unfortunate. Also, she dated Enos Cantor. I'm sorry, Enos Freedom. That's also, you know, that's also yeah. interesting. Yeah. I believe she's married to some MMA fighter now. So maybe there's a type there. <laughs> Um, I mean that type was that that that, that type definitely screams Fox News. If, <laughs> if you go from that to that, yeah, definitely. I guess she go she gonna go she gonna go out with a CrossFitter after this, a pro CrossFitter. <laughs> she probably knows a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mansoor and Nate. Nate. What's up? A, a Rogan Knight. Yeah. 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 Um. Mansoor and Mace. Now, these guys like went crazy on a stream together. Um, and I heard they were just like just heard, shooting the shit. I heard something about some Seth, uh, some Seth slander, which also matched up to some stuff I've also heard about Seth. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, yes. So, I'm not going to get into that, but uh, Mansoor, um, all I want to know is does Big MBS know, know about this? Was, was Big MBS told I, that Mansoor is no longer in wrestling anymore. Look, because you know, I, I don't he, think Big MBS knows about AEW or anything. He may not be in wrestling today. He may not be in wrestling tomorrow. But when they go to Saudi Arabia, I bet his ass will be in wrestling then, and I bet his ass will be out here picking up that big W. So yeah, um, you know, I I, I wouldn't have fired him just for the fact we're like you're already in there with them. Like give these people what they want. They want to see Mansoor win. So. Since and apparently there there was a there was a um you know an, an edict that said that man was not allowed to lose in NXT. Hilarious! Wow, it's crazy. Um, Quincy Elliott. All right, I'm gonna just say, I'm gonna just be one hundred. Quincy Elliott, who I think it is. Yes. Okay. I saw people. When this guy emerged on the scene on Twitter, acting like you were the ones that were weird if you didn't get what was going on here, that you were the problem for not understanding or seeing that. I saw no pro wrestling appeal in, in Quincy Elliott. Um, you know, I think like, I'm not saying like, hey. He shouldn't do this for a living. I'm not saying anything like that. This just wasn't like... I I just don't see how what he was attempting to do was going to get over with an audience. So At this level. So, uh... Dr. Larry says Mabel 2.0. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I get why you're saying that from the... Like, just the basic 
nuts and bolts of the look. Um, but I gotta say, like, I, I don't imagine a time where, <laughs> where, where, uh, Quincy Elliott and his protege will be rocking the United Center like that SummerSlam with, with, with Mo and, and, and Mabel. I, I just don't see it. <laughs> I don't fucking see it. I'm sorry. It's not in the cards. Not in the cards. On top of all the problematic stuff that I've heard about um, with this gentleman, mm. um, good riddance. Um, Baba Tunde, Shanky, and then... Remember when that man debuted at Russell fucking Mania? Yes. They brought that man out to beat the Deus Ex Machina to take the IC belt off of Big E. And that, then that led to Big E getting that bullshit title reign that where they, they left him to, oh, we're going to make you champion, except like, you'll just hold the belt and we'll treat you like shit. So, yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Also, oh, quick, quick question. Does uh does Apollo still got to have the, the fake put on the Nigerian accent or does he talk like how he normally used to talk now? I don't know. Well... I thought he went back to NXT, so I don't I don't know if you know when you change universes, does it stay or not? Okay. Um, did did he have to like did he have to go to like the same like judge that had to decide the stuff for, for Kofi Kingston and his accent or no? Um yes, because it was Triple H. So um <laughs> Wait, wait a minute. What what happens to your accent? That shit is hilarious. That shit's hilarious. He's like, hey man, I'm tired of doing this fake accent. I'm not even, I'm like, I am Ghani and I'm not Jamaican. I'm tired. Of, I'm stop put. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this stereotypical shit. All right, well, let's make a joke out of it. How do we get out of this? I know you can stop doing that shit. Let's let's say we're just called call scamming. I call scamming. I was never. I was never. That's actually kind of brilliant in a way. It's kind of brilliant. Like poke fun at like the part where like this man's gonna stop doing this shit and we're gonna move on. Except like his music gonna sound still be fucking Jamaican <laughs> for years and years. And he'll still call these fucking these fucking Caribbean tropical colors and shit. Bro, can we get this man some Afro Kofi beats Kofi now or something? What the fuck? Kofi Evans knew they was still dressing like still dressing like the colors that Young Joe's rapping about. Whirlwind, nigga. <laughs> Sugar paint tropical and weave away and weave away. <laughs> oh, um, oh my god. Yeah, man. Uh, lots of releases. Yeah, lots of releases. Anything else or we just move on from here? Because I, mean, I think that's the best people get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Aaliyah, she was around for, oh, for yeah. 10 years. Absolutely sucked. Yeah, um, I think the best. I think the best tweet I saw about this was from Sierra. Sierra said, uh, "Like someone said, like damn, like W wasted her whole twenties." And then Sierra responds, "Like just like a man." I was like, "Now Sierra, you ain't... come on, man. Like we we just trying to we just trying to have a conversation. I, you know, I'm trying to be nice. Yeah, yeah. You know, we we ain't had to hold this. You know, you didn't have to leave us with this. Yeah, yeah." Yeah, I said to Sierra, "Now come on." She goes, "Did did I, what? Did, did I say anything wrong?" I was, I, I, I didn't respond. She was right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bro, um, I think it's like I think they should really seriously consider like overhauling the NXT program as a staff, regular label, and crew. There were so many people on that list that were produced by the performance center that amounted to less than nothing. Um, they'll get their five people out of like 150 and call it a success. 
Right. But you would have to think there's a more efficient way to do this. Um, and Endeavor is probably looking at NXT like I, I look never, and I mean never show Endeavor the NXT books, and then um, you know have Triple H try to sell them on why we need to keep this around, like because it's going to be like, um, don't none of this add up. We got right. 10 years. Look, now, look at the now, damage. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, developmental is meant to be a money loser, right? Correct. But you ain't got to lose as much money, right? So Downscale this. Right. So, you know, you, you, you're definitely, you definitely have a point. Um, and, you know, you look around and you look at uh, the Naga Gym. You look at LA Dojo. Um, you look at Everybody, you know, you know, whether it's Takamishinoku and JTO, um, Getsu, Mayu, Hazuki, like you look at the people that churn out wrestlers all around the world and it's like, how come seemingly every place that produces wrestlers churn out wrestlers better than the, the, the worldwide leader? Like a, a far better like hit rate, it's it's just weird, man. It's really weird. So like think um, of Rich. Oh god. Do you remember? Do you remember Lady C's first like her her when she was a rookie? How like how pathetic of a wrestler she was? Uh I don't remember how okay. bad it was really for her. She, it was bad. It was bad. But like, how many people? You look at what she has been like the last 18 months or whatever else. And it's like, how many wrestlers and how many wrestlers have the PC produced that have like better cage matches than her? You know what I mean? Like, it's just, and, that, and that's just Lady C. Like, come on, man. Like, Clark Connors and, and you know, Kid and, you know, you, you're, you're more in, Freaking, you know, Gene Blast and even Watto. Even Watto. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, this is a, uh, it's a barren wasteland in a lot of yeah. aspects. You know, they'll teach you how to lift some weights, though. Yeah, definitely. They won't teach you how to, they won't or teach you. Or ACL, you know. Yeah, or fuck up your shoulder. Yeah. Um, so there was another pro wrestling show uh, that happened this week. Uh, it was from. A new company, uh, American Joshi company called Skabon, I believe is called, or Sukebon, yeah, Sukebon. But I'm sure they, you know, like the pronunciation is like Ske or yeah. yeah look, look, yeah. We're, we're American. We're, we're learning. We're, we're, we're American. Know, when like, look, when our when our Japanese brothers like pronounce our American names, they don't they don't have this huge like thing about making their their words sound American they do it the best they can in in, in their tongue I don't feel the same I don't feel like I need to because they have to do it that way I don't feel needed we have to try to attempt to butcher their language I'm sorry I'm doing Zach the best saving I can. us with Zach saving us with the pronunciation it is skabon okay okay um so they ran their first show this week it was live on TikTok yeah uh, I pulled up the TikTok as it was happening, I was like, I can't exactly do this because it's like not like uh, like the refresh rate was Stream like it was okay. Awful. Stream it, was like, awful. You couldn't uh, hold yeah. it on on one tw- or uh, on uh, ten eighty. If you put it at seven twenty, 
it you might drop frames or it might boot you out. You had to just put it to auto or put it to like three sixty. Yeah. Yeah. So that I was like, I was from just the PC, it when... not the phone. The PC. Oh, okay. Or I was laptop, using. The, I mean, yeah. I was using the phone when I when I pulled mine up. So I was like, eh, I'll it, just wait. Yeah. So luckily, the vi- the video link popped up on YouTube. Uh, a little while later, yeah, so a couple days. That's later. the current version I had. So, like overall, what I was watching, like, um, so I had uh quite a busy weekend. I was in Massachusetts over the weekend. Uh, I flew back Sunday, and I had you know connecting flights and stuff like that. So I got home, and I was like, all right, it's only ninety minutes, so I'm gonna watch this thing. Uh, but you know, I guess I was jet lagged, and it caught up to me, and I fell fell asleep during the middle of the third match. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I but- can see what I missed. Put you sleep too. <laughs> so um i i thought this thing was interesting um i think it is a cool thing in a, in a company that is worthwhile and should exist yeah and if there's something to open just more um spots for uh japanese women's wrestlers uh in a something they enjoy and they get paid and can ultimately like make money on whatever, like, you know, small level this is like, and kind of become some somewhat of like a novelty thing because it, it does not really feel like, like, like pro wrestling. It like, it has the outline of pro wrestling. Like, yeah, there's time limits. There's factions. There's, you know, obviously wrestling matches and stuff like that, but it does not feel like it's, a living breathing it's very contained to its own like universe and i feel like right you're gonna have to like pay attention to the lore i think yeah. with this thing to really get the most out of it right right um i i thought it was cool yeah yeah arisa nakajima coming out to mother so like they had a bunch of uh non-cleared music uh in this right. thing which was pretty funny playing um, look, playing the pat benatard and the joan jet yeah i Look, um, a lot of the aesthetic choices in the music I really enjoyed or whatever else. Um, and then we'll get into the wrestling later, but there's something there, like just from, there's something there just from the visual, like looking at the groups, looking at the group's aesthetics, how distinct they are as, as collectives and also inside of their, um, unit and also as individuals that stand out, like. Midnight player on the Vandals makes all the sense. Owie makes all the sense in the world. Like she looks cool. Obviously, you know she has the Takumi Aroha haircut that we all fucking love. Yep. But it's like she looks. She looks like somebody, and you want to see. And she looks mischievous or uh, mischievous, mischievous, mischievous. That's the word mischievous. Like I'm putting mysterious and what mischievous. Like it looks. It, there's something there. Like seeing. Um, Dangerously liaisons, all of them, except for maybe Risa, all of them like these are all badasses that will cut corners to get the job done. I, I can't wait to see what these evil motherfuckers do. I, I'm into that. Um, and then like the babyface uh, squads, like uh, like the Cherry Bombs, and I think it's Cherry Bombs, and also like the uh, the Harajuku Stars is like mm-hmm. you know that makes a lot of sense. Like you have Unagi, or uh, I think it's uh, Sayaka Ishikawa. Or I think it's Ichigo. Ich- Ichigo Sayaka. Ichigo Sayaka. Okay, I was gonna call her Sayaka. So and also like uh, Maya, like yeah, that makes that they make sense. They go to they go together. Whatever else, the pretty girls with like almost like the Sailor Moonish type of uh, aesthetic. With like they have similar outfits, but it's the colors. Like I like I like the outfits and all that kind of stuff. Um, 
and like you know some of the some of the, and I really like the opening match with the comedy and it got over their their characters and their factions as far as like who they are and what they do and everything and you and and also uh, I forgot what Yoniyama's name is in 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 Sukavan, but like it got over a lot of stuff. I just and I did like the post match angles for most of the stuff. Otaku Chan. Otaku Chan, yeah, that's right. Because she has like the spinner cap or everything. I, I I liked all of that. Um. And I'm not necessarily like dying for this thing to be a knockdown drag out. I'm not expecting this to be a seatly main event five matches in a row. It's not. Right? Um I just feel like they're doing They're doing storyline telling as far as like this person just came in, what faction they belong to, do they want to join factions? And then you see you know, and then you go from there. Also, the descent or what led to the upset victory in the main event that leads to the title match between Nakajima and uh, and Sayaka. Cool. They're telling stories in the ring, right? Like this is one of the things that like they didn't do with say uh, Nomads last year or two years ago. Um, I just wonder how how what rate of these shows going to come at us to where we can actually like dig our teeth into actually getting a feel for this promotion actually is supposed to like, this is just the, the, the beginning. And we'll see from there. Cause like I'm lukewarm on the beginning. I'm willing to give this another chance. Uh, cause I did like the opener. I did like the, uh, the third match between, um, straight cat and midnight player. Uh, it was fun seeing the X was Konami. Um, it was funny. also seeing Konami basically like a throwback to what her young girl gear was when she was, you know, uh, trained by, and working underneath uh, Asuka Kana. Uh, but, like, you know, to see that kind of talent in the ring, to see Konami in, um, in Miyuki Takase, Taka- uh, I forgot what Takase's uh, name is. I was because it's Takase. Queen of Hearts. Something. Actually, no, Queen of Hearts. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Queen it's Queen of Hearts, Queen something Hearts. Takase. Yeah. Yep. Uh, uh, to see her, and, and also uh, the third person there, and they have a match where they're just basically Saki. like they're going through the motions. Uh, yeah, and, and, I, and that three way was like that's disappointing because I know what Takase can do. I know what Konami can do. Like they're they're great wrestlers. So yeah, um, yeah. I thought the wrestling comes the wrestling has to come around eventually, and I think it will. But because they're focused more on getting over the characters right now. But it's but um, and I don't necessarily mind it. I'm just like okay, that's fine. This stuff's working so far for me to get. It's done enough for me to want to watch it again. But. If it's going to be more of the same for the second thing, I, I might I might tap out. Yeah, I think this will have an audience uh, that is looking for an entry point that maybe yeah. feels like stardom is too overwhelming with the amount of events that they yeah. have and like the seemingly like very deep, uh, you know, storylines that yep. people, people were just like, yeah, man, I they date back I, to I just, other promotions. Yeah, they're just like, yeah, I just can't you know, sit through whatever, but like I can imagine people, if this catches like on YouTube or TikTok the right way, this actually kind of becomes something that I think a lot of hardcore Joshi fans will end up resenting. Um, I, <laughs> <laughs> You're like, right. <laughs> like they will we- be like, hold on. This is people be like, man, I really like this stuff. And like, this is the stuff I, you know, this is cool. Like, right. and they'd be like hold on. Why y'all ain't never like, none of this shit like is is gonna get yeah. real like You're something right. like that usher like that like that, 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 that y'all 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 made this this shit for them like <laughs> you're right i didn't even think about that but you're right 
Um, You know, like, I think some of the Lucha Underground comparisons are... uh, Glow. The glow I I get from the aesthetic, obviously, the wrestling's still better. Um, But the Lucha Underground is like, this is pretty self-contained. If they talk about, like, relationships people had in the past, they'll talk about it making it to their storyline is happening in front of you right now as opposed to let's go back, let's go back, let's go back and have someone that, you know, on a podcast like this explain what happened in, in Acres Girls, right, from 2006 or 17. So, yeah, um, I, I agree with that and I think that um, in whatever form or fashion, like, uh, this existing and this exceeding will be good because obviously we know what the situation is, how dire it is, uh, the scene is, in Japan, um, outside of Stardom and Tokyo Joshi Pro. So, yeah, like, this is a way for them to, for a lot of these wrestlers, or some of the best wrestlers in the world, to continue uh, being able to do this uh, for a living as they're already probably, you know, working a, a full, a, a real gig as opposed to, you know, being pro wrestlers. Fine by me. Uh, and, look, those, the the matches or whatever else, they'll come. Like, I don't, I'm not saying this thing is going to turn into, you know, um, the fucking um, Grand Prix or anything like that, but like they'll have banger matches and memorable matches based off of like these characters and their interactions and the fallout from them turning on each other and that kind of stuff. Like that's already instant right now. So they they as long as like the matches eventually come, I think they'll do fine. And obviously, you know, the bar is very low for the for people that do not watch Joshi wrestling. Um as far as knowing how talented these people are, like, I'm sure they've heard of some of these people from, you know, the magazines or whatever else, people, you know, see the Joshi Freaks talk, like us talk about these people in the stardom or whatever else, or whatever else, but it's one thing to hear it, it's another thing to finally see it, and if they have Arisa Nakajima, or sorry, Commander uh, Nakajima, Russell at what she normally, at her normal level that she does at ceiling, or the hell, let's say you put 70% on it, you put a cap on it, make it, make it, you know, less violent, or whatever else, People are really going to enjoy what they see if she's the first champion. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm I'm like I said, I'm going to give this mo- uh, a chance or two more. Um, and like I like what I've seen in some aspects, but like you know, at this point, like with all the wrestling that's around, um, I think it's smart for them to have gone with this route as opposed to being like we're going to be, you know, a standard church promotion uh, with young girls going out there getting their ass kicked and squashed out and bringing, you know, you doing her normal you thing as opposed to crush you. I, I, I think this is for the best. I think this is for the best. Now, I think there's a chance. I think this is more, what do you call it? Uh, this appeals to more, this has a chance to reach more people, a lot more people. So yeah, it, it doesn't have to be, you know, stardom America version. It wouldn't, it doesn't have to be ran like how I would run if I had a, a $5 million in my back pocket. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. Um, yeah, so like I, I I'm gonna check out the rest of the show, and I'm gonna check out whenever they do a new one. Um, it looks expensive. It does. I'll say that. It does. Um, like they are booking buildings in New York. I think they drew like 750 people. That's what um, they claim. That's what they say. It, it's yeah, the, I, I'm they, sure the attendance folks like JD will run this down and yeah figure yeah, it out. Yeah, yeah, I mean we 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 regularly talk to people like JD and Velcash that like look that that will look at frame by or look at like year by year photos of venues and events of old numbers be like, "Hey bro, you saying this number is bigger than that old number? You look at these crowds, that crowd smaller than, than the old crowd or what what's going on?" 
Um, yeah. So, like, you know, that seven, that seven thirty, that sounds dubious to me, considering like how many uh, tickets did that NWA All Women's Pay Per View sell? Like a thousand, eleven hundred. Yeah, it was, it was not great. Right. You think that I don't? I, I'd be surprised. Obviously, there were a different uh, group of people involved with this, whatever. But to say that like they would do that high percentage uh, compared to that, really, really surprised me. I don't know how many people would have to fly in to make this made made that, made that work. Like, and also, I think I it would have been everybody that we know and we talked to on Twitter had to fly in to get to the sound. <laughs> so, like, as I far would, as the Joshi shit, I think they gotta happen. they gotta try to market this in a way to where it's like this New York thing, like that you you have to see while you're in New York or uh, or stable like, or stable it to like whatever big events are you know happening in pro wrestling and yeah, hopefully grab somebody they'd be like, hey, I want to check this out, right? Like, uh, if you want to staple this to like you know. All out, you know, or double or nothing. Or I'm yeah. wondering who who's behind this, um, and I'm sure we'll eventually get more clarification on that. I feel like I have a couple leads I can follow that may get me close to the answer, so I'm going to probably try to follow up on that and see what the, um, you know, kind of see what's behind this, mm-hmm. if that's possible. But, um. Yeah, man. So, AW Grand Slam was last week. Um, that was uh, Wednesday. Yeah. Um, and it's an awesome show. Um, and I thought like there was a lot of kind of hand ring going into it. Um, I was looking, you know, I wasn't necessarily a fan of like the whole tournament that happened with Joe leading MJF and all that. Uh, but the Claudio thing and Eddie sold itself to me. Uh, the Jericho and Sammy thing I was really up for. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me pull the uh, a card up here. Um, at least I know the beginning. The opening match was, uh, I believe, the opening match was the was a Claudio and Kingston match, and the second match was Jericho versus uh, versus Guevara. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yep. This thing was like a mini pay per view, five matches. Yeah. Um, not a, a ton of like backstage stuff. So we open with. I uh, thought they did get used to going backstage, like to get people to you know walk through the crowd or whatever else, and then come back to the ring for match. Like I thought it was, a, I thought it was nice. It reminded me almost like of. It's not the exact way that like takeovers were done, but like in a way where it's like there's a match. Let's go. Let's cut to something quickly as a buffer, and then come back to the ring. Yeah. So we started. Uh, with Eddie Kingston and Claudio Casanoli opening with the big all Japan style entrances, walking them in from the back, uh, you know, saying what's up to their partners essentially, and then heading out there dressed like Masawa and Kawada, and yep. you know they went they went at it for 15 minutes there, and uh, this ended with Eddie Kingston getting a big win over Casanoli. Winning the ROH World Title and uh, putting that with the New Japan Belt and Eddie Kingston, two belts, uh, a guy that, that couldn't buy a win right. in this promotion a couple years ago. Yep. Um, do I wish it was for the actual AW World Title? Yes, especially um, right now. Fuck. Um, but like, I guess you know, people people bought into the you know the ROH stuff, but I, I know deep down he wants the other one, uh, and I think that there's still enough in the tank to where people can celebrate this accomplishment and then still 
hope the other one's down the road uh, for Kingston somewhere because that's kind of yeah. I think like his I think that's his career story arc now. It's either that or like you know fighting Moxley along the way or or whatever. Like if he wins it, do you think he has to win it from Moxley? Um, not necessarily because like the, honestly, the the biggest thing would have been if like he had won it off off Hill MJF, but we're past that now. Um, or at least like got 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 the match at least because that would have been oh my god like that's mm-hmm. that's what I want out of MJF title reign instead of this but whatever um but yeah like this was very satisfying this was very fun love the match love the selling love the psychology um just you know I love I love the part where it's like you know we talk about Julia and Tam and we talk about like people like Becky and Charlotte. And talk about like the heat that's there, or like the part where like they're so good at like the they're so good at what they do on screen that you can buy that they detest each other, um, or they, or, or maybe they've had blows with each other. But like the part where like they, at the end of the day, like they're working in unison, like mm-hmm. that one pay per view after Charlotte did the belt drop thing, and then they show up, and we ever thought everyone thought like Charlotte had all this heat on her, and then they show up, her and Becky, and they have like matching thematic gear. And then, like, everyone, you know, and Kingston always talks about, this is real, this is real, X, Y, and Z, and then, and how much he hates Claudio, or whatever else, and then what do they do? These two bitches show up, and they wear, they matching Kawada and Masawa gear, like, you, 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 you fucking carnies, like, <laughs> Kingston's so heavy, Kingston's so heavy, making everyone believe that everything is real, that he actually hates Claudio's guts to death over some fucking, uh, as, as, as um, as Moxie said, some Shakara bullshit, so, I, I just hey, love the words like they they couldn't they couldn't help themselves but they but they expose the business. <laughs> they couldn't help themselves. This like this is our night, brother. We've been running up these roads all these years, and we finally get to this big ass show. And it's time for me to put you for, for us to have our match, and I finally get you the big win over else. Oh, let's let's do matching gear. They didn't even think of that. They, they didn't realize that they they just gave themselves away. Yeah, uh, it doesn't funny. matter, but it was it was so fun. It was so easy to believe them over all this time that like over these uh, over the last year that like they really don't. They really don't fuck with each other. Claudio's just like dismissed that dude and has drove Kingston nuts over all these years. And he finally got the handshake from that man. So yeah, it, it was it was a really fun moment. I really enjoyed it. Like this is probably my favorite King- Kingston moment in AEW. And you know, I've been someone that was like, bro, he's got it, but they keep fucking beating him, and it's it's fucking irritating me. Like the Kingston keeps being put in position to fucking lose, and that Tony Khan doesn't realize that they can do something with this dude. Let him get some wins. So yeah, like now that he's winning, I'm I'm very happy now because like it was like, why are they doing this to this dude? Don't they don't they hear this crowd? Don't they see don't they see this television that he keeps doing? Don't they hear these promos? Give this dude a shot. So yeah, I'm I'm really happy right now. It was a great moment and like this you know this is my favorite Kingston man. Uh, this is my favorite Kingston moment. Like the whole thing where he comes out there and he gets his gets his shot in New York. I really enjoyed that. And I shout out to uh, to Dan Coffin. I don't know. I don't know. I, I haven't talked to him about it, but like I'm happy that however happy he was for it, I'm happy for him too. Yeah, uh, I think Claudio did like a, a really great job um, yeah. between like last year's Grand Slam and this one. Uh, you know, kind of getting like to show his his value um, and being like a, a model wrestler uh the whole time in the ring out the ring and like you can you can launch him elsewhere now um you know (laughs) and and keep doing like cool matches to where like he's this mountain that people need to climb over so um you know it's right up his alley um up next we had chris jericho taking on sammy guevara 
in a match that I had wanted to see for a long, long time. And for me, it did not disappoint. I was I was totally into this thing, and I was like, just wondering what would happen. I thought it was so cool. Uh, shout out to my man Montezzi. He got to uh, perform uh, Sammy Guevara's song. I didn't realize um, that, that was him rapping over all these years. I had no idea. Yep. Um, so I thought it sounded really good. Um, you know, sometimes you get people rapping on the songs and there's like, you know, the stadium, like the timing is off. Like, you know, he, he had that shit. So shout out to him. Um, and Sammy comes out with the light jacket, kind of like Jericho. Right. Uh, I, I like that touch. He basically shows up in like uh, WrestleMania 19 Jericho gear kind of. And this is like almost a re- a redux of that entire match. The post-match, um, And it was just like, I, I thought this was a really cool finish, shooting Star Press into the Code Breaker. Um, you know, Sammy was picking Jericho up, um, you know, throughout the match. Jericho was like hanging right there with him. Uh, this thing was wrestled as a babyface, babyface match. But we, you know, find as often times at the end of a babyface, babyface match, something happens. Like, <laughs> so... Um, Jericho ends up getting the win, um, and I did. I was like, "Oh wow, he won!" And you know, I was like, "All right, cool." And then Sammy, like, I could just tell they were just standing in the rain too long. I was like, "Bro, he's gonna he's gonna do something. Like, there's got to be something that happens here." What do you know? He kicks the man in the groin. Uh, I all the WrestleMania 19 stuff comes flashing back to me, mm-hmm. and it's like. Man, this is the end of Jericho and Sammy, really, after four years in this company. I was like, all right, let's do it. Like, and, you know, Don Callis comes strolling out, and I'm like, wow. Like, the the the, the sales pitch worked. And then I started thinking, this nigga Kenny Omega is a genius. It's like, all right. This, you know, I'm about to one by one hand select this heel factory when I got this fucking belt next year. <laughs> I go through, I'm gonna fight Sammy, Takeshita, and Osprey, and whoever else. But this, this, uh, this callous unit is growing by you know the month, seemingly. Um, uh, I like the move for Sammy. I, I did like the fact that he was a babyface and turned, you know, a lot of those reactions around that. People, I you know, thought were really dug in. Like, yeah. I think he did a good job this summer of like, you know, reminding people like, "Hey, man, I'm raw in the ring," and th- people weren't gonna hold up the the weird hate of him forever. I felt like, and he did a good job with that. Could he remain babyface longer? I think that would have been good. But yeah. J- Jericho's done a lot of yo-yoing himself, uh, like as far as like you know losing matches and then alignment and stuff like that. Maybe it's good for him to be a babyface for a little while. Yeah. Um, you know, I was, you know, for a while I've been into like the idea of having to help like re rebirth the tag team division, like Guevara in, um, in Garcia. And then, you know, they talked about like, you know, we're going to have a match and then we're going to have, you know, and then we're going to, you know, reform the sex guys. I was like, okay, I'm cool with that too. Uh, so, you know, I was actually into that and like that was a part of the, 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 the part where it's like, okay, he's turning hill. That sucks. He took that from me. You asshole. So good job. Um, yeah, like that's a killer. That's a killer crew. If Guerrero is your third best worker, <laughs> that's a good fucking faction. So, so yeah, uh, I'm, I'm with it. 
Um, and then like my immediate thoughts is like, oh, so they finna have they finna have Jericho. They gonna be like they gonna have Jericho in in Omega like team up to go get this nigga Callus. And I'm like, I'm with that too. <laughs> go go so, beat his ass. Look, V trigger that man and put that man into the walls. <laughs> <laughs> or or uh V trigger or excuse me, give him the um the the Judas effect and on the way down Kenny's timing that man perfect for with a V trigger. <laughs> you know. <laughs> to the side of the head. Um so yeah, you mentioned uh the uh alignment. So on Rampage, uh Kenny Omega actually saved Chris Jericho from from a ass whooping mm. from Sammy Guevara and mm. um Kanosuke Takeshita and um, ran him off with a chair or in Callus or whatever. And uh, they are teaming up. Does now. Mean Jericho finally shows him BTE? Uh, he's, I think he's been on there before. Oh, he seems to avoid that stuff like the plague. Like, he's like, hey, bro, like, Rampage, only only announcing, brother. Like, <laughs> BTE, I'm not doing that shit. <laughs> But um, he, uh, you know, they're doing a, a trios match. It's Kenny Omega, Chris Jericho, and Kota Ibushi against Will Ospreay, Kanosuke yep. Takeshi, and Sammy Guevara. I did yep. not know such a RLPW match would could ever exist. Like this has got to be in the top five percent of those. <laughs> like what the fuck? Like this is book for me. Um, also, there was news of Chris Jericho versus Kanosuke Takeshi happening at DDT. Yeah, it broke over the weekend, right? Uh, it, it that that got booked, like yeah, yeah, so yeah. it hasn't happened yet. But no, but I mean, like it got announced like over the weekend. Yes, yeah, yeah. So um, that another promotion for Chris Jericho to go to. I, I don't think he's ever been to DDT before. So um, is you know, he, is, is he going to partake? Cause, no, keep in mind, like he knows about DDT because, like, back in the day, like the first time I ever heard of it, right? Uh, <laughs> this was, you know. They had Sami Zayn and Adrian Neville on Talk is Jericho, and they talked about the uh, the Kota Ibushi Yoshihiko match, right? Mm-hmm. And Jericho's like, "Wait, what? There's a guy that's out here wrestling a blow up doll." And this is before we knew who Ibushi was. And I was like, "That's that's kind of fucking sick." And then we see Ibushi for the first time, and we find out that like he wrestled the blow up doll, and he's having he's having a fucking great match with the blow up doll. I'm like, what the fuck? And it's like this promotion does this kind of goofy shit, uh, DDT, and it's like. Does, does, does Jericho remember this? Like, has he put two together that this is the this is the blow up doll promotion? I don't know. But like, is he going to watch the undercard as he's there and be like, "What in the fuck is going on? Why are they teabagging each other? What is happening?" Bruh, I think it's Chris Jericho. He's be like, "Bro, let that man do more than one DDT show. I guarantee you, that man do some foolishness. That man do anything to get over." Look, man, I ain't trying to see Jericho in pheromones. I'm just not. I'm, I'm, I, I can't. I can't yeah, you right trying now. to see him on a bicycle? Uh, no, I'm not. I don't want to see him on a bicycle either. Yeah, in fact, what I want to see is is uh, Kano on the bicycle and then slapping and slapping Takagi's ass, uh, or slapping the shit out of him some more. That's what I want to see. Um, well, anyway. Chris Jericho definitely wants to do a train fight. Definitely <laughs> wants to do one of those. We we haven't talked about that, but like that was funny. Like that, like the Minoru Suzuki. Uh, Takagi matches where like they fight in these weird venues over and over, and then all these all these fucking sight gas keep happening. It's like because the Tokyo Dome one is like when they ran into the Chinsuke Nakamura dude, and <laughs> it's just so not to kick the shit out of that man. 
uh, I think what didn't Aja Kong sing the national anthem? Yes. And, yeah, like they, and then this one was had like Kenska Bachi is a tr- is a fucking ticket ticketer Giving on, on the chops. bullet train. Like, keep my, I was on a bullet train uh, back and forth from uh, Tokyo to Nagoya when I was over there. Like, can you imagine it had unwingly, like they decided to do that shit that week and all of a sudden, like, is that is that is that kids a <laughs> What the fuck is going on? What's happening? What is wrong with this? What are these sites? Yeah. So so yeah, man. Uh, it was funny as hell to see, but uh, yeah, man. Like it's gonna be some shenanigans. Like like I will. It's gonna be interesting to see if Jericho wants to partake in the shenanigans. He can, they'll they'll let him if he wants to, but I don't know. Jericho might be like, bro, I'm too old for this shit. I don't know. We'll see. It before, yeah. I think it would buy him a lot of goodwill if he was with the shenanigans. Yeah. Um, so up next, we have Ray Phoenix taking on John Moxley for the AEW International Championship. Um, Odale, uh, Ray Phoenix with the championship here. Um, there was a lot that went into this whole thing between um, uh, before All Out, Phoenix getting ridden off by the BCC with the injury stuff. He's back here. Um, then John Moxley going down injured during the match, catching a front flip off the um, uh, dive off the stage. Uh, Mox got his got his bell rung by that, and he wasn't right the whole match. Uh, then there was a big refereeing error at the end where Knox just like doesn't count three for whatever reason. It's like I I don't know Mox what happened. Furious. Yeah, he said count it, and then I guess Klaus was like, "Nah, you playing." Yeah, like, like, nah, I ain't counting shit. But he was like, um, and then Phoenix, like, picks him up again, dumps him again. And then you had all the nastiest agendas. Oh, my God. I could just see it from a mile away. You know, they loved their John Moxley, James. Like, they loved in, in a different way. He In a different way. A, he's not coming back. B, AEW broke up the shield. Deal with it. Um. So, because <laughs> that's all it is. But that's the reason I say they ain't coming back. We're yeah. not doing. We're not doing the tenth reunion of the Shield. Yeah. So while while you sent out slowed down videos of the wrong move, Ryan Satin, uh, that that actually hurt him. Uh, you know, injuries happen in wrestling. You, he he got his head bust catching a dive. Good. To, well, you know. This wouldn't have happened to the Miz because Miz wouldn't have caught the dive. Like this would have been Phoenix that would have fell. So this is a tough sport. It's a tough business. Uh, he was concussed, but it didn't sound like it was anything that is going to put him out for a really long time. It's unfortunate to see anyone get hurt, but um, they switched the match and, and seemingly on the fly, and Phoenix gets the international championship. And thank God. Like, I think it actually works out kind of better this way because it's like, all right, we've seen John Moxley with championships in AEW, and it's not bad or anything, but it's like, yo, you can you can do something and, and kind of legitimize Phoenix's career a little bit and be like, yo, if you treat it with care, you can have this guy go out and have a bunch of incredible matches and literally do what John Moxley and Hangman did. You have Moxley come back later on after this guy's defended the belt like six times or whatever and going crazy with it. And I'm, I'm saying, like, book him versus Vikingo. Book him versus fucking, like, you know, give him another big win against somebody. Like, have Sammy Guevara challenge him and lose or something like that. Like, let this man go, go nuts or whatever with it. And, you know offset some of the this meme wrestling that's that's at the top of the card 
let's keep that international belt pure, you know, Bro, uh, so to say. Bookham versus literally anyone. Like, I for years now at this point, I have lamented that how automatic that Phoenix and Penta are as singles wrestlers or as tag or as a tag, you know, or as a trios with with uh pack in um death triangle that is like they often seem to be unappreciated in ways where it's like, oh they'll go out there and they'll have their their four to f- four to five star match or whatever else in a big spot on pay per view and then like they'll win or they'll lose and then it doesn't really matter. They'll just be put into the next thing and we'll just move on. Um, and not to say they, not, they don't get storylines, they do, right? They get fu- they get fused all the time. They're not elaborate fuse or anything, but they're fused nonetheless. They get used. I'm not saying they're not used. But I've always felt that, like, you know, similar to <clears throat> Best Friends as a trios, they're just, like, kind of put, put there to go out there and lose at, at, at times. It's singles. And I'm like, hey, man, like, Phoenix is one of the most automatic wrestlers I've ever seen. You... And when Penta, and Penta somehow, like, even though he's in one of the greatest tag teams of all time, as a single wrestler, he's better than he is as a, as a, uh, as a tag wrestler, even though he's had some of the best tag matches I've ever seen in my life. So I've always been like, hey, don't just like, don't just poo poo this. You have an actual chance if you want to, to like push that dude to be your, be the Rey Mysterio Jr. for AEW. Phoenix. Um, and you know, this happened on accident, but they can make this and legitimize him as someone that like had him, in, had him in the room with the title and you could put him in tag or sorry, you put him in singles matches for belts in the future and sell those on paper, not pay-per-view, but maybe on pay-per-view, maybe on, um, on TV or whatever else. Like he's that level of talent where it's like he, you know, like that Viking or Omega match that happened earlier, you had that pop the rating, whatever else. You could absolutely pop raise with Phoenix in a, a, as a challenger because of how ridiculous of it, insane the stuff he's done over the years and the work he's put in. Like he is a he is a uh, what do you call it? Uh, he's a cornerstone wrestler for this for this company, right? Like he's a, or he's part of the nucleus. I won't say cornerstone. Like I'm not saying he's Jericho or anything, but like he is a, he's part of the nucleus of like why this thing has worked or whatever else. And like. I'm glad that he finally got a singles title. It's long overdue. Like when the inter- when Air Con- or sorry, the international title or all Atlantic title at the time was announced, like my first ideas was like, put it on Ray Phoenix and let him go and let him tour the world and have killer matches everywhere because he's one of the best wrestlers or best talents in this in professional wrestling. So I'm I'm happy it happened and like We'll see what they do for, with this for now. But if they let him go out there and do his thing, he's going to rip it up. He's going to make it real hard. Uh, he's going to make it real hard for a lot of fans to like when they get back to the Mossy thing, because it should go back to Mossy, but people are actually going to feel bad for him and it could add on to like the kind of heartbreak it was when, you know, Orange Cassie lost it, where it's like, now you really, really, really don't like Moxie as a heel. And he's obviously always going to have his fans. He's Moxley, but like, it's gonna be. It could be a beneficial. It could be like the like the U.S. title run was in 2015 for Cena, where like he's giving these guys chance to to like jump, you know, jump up the card and you know have spotlight showcase matches wrestling a actual top guy. James, I'll t- take this a bit further than you when it comes to Ray Phoenix. Ray Phoenix, obviously, you know we we follow Dave Meltzer and you know all the matches that he's given five stars. Ray Phoenix is ranked number 17 all time with nine five-star matches or above. Okay. Nine. He's ranked 17th. 
He's the highest ranking Mexican wrestler ever, right? Yeah. And the people in front of him, we're talking, you know, like the the big four of like, you know, or like you're talking about 90s All Japan. You're talking about Omega Osprey and Okada, mm-hmm. Shingo, Tanahashi, Kota Ibushi, Manami Toyota, Ric Flair, both Young Bucks, Tetsuya Naito, Tomohiro Ishii. Uh, did I say Shingo already? Yeah, you said Shingo. Um, uh, and you, you know, after that, we got Ray Phoenix, yeah, and then like Jumbo Saruta, then Kyoku Inoue, then yeah. Jun Akiyama, then Fuji, then his brother Pentagon Junior, then Brian Danielson, and you know, so it's like, bro, like this is this guy's one of the greatest wrestlers to ever live, like so. I mean, I you know I think that you know I think let's get him like you yeah. know let's let's. Let's let's let this guy show it, you know. So or let him show it in title matches because it's like y'all let him right. go out there and cook for twelve minutes at a time all the goddamn time, and you're blown over the shit he does all the time. Like, yeah, man, like I want to see him in title matches with like let him get fifteen minutes in single matches. Like the only time I think he ever got like you know a real long time was a match against Nick Jackson, and he damn near got five <laughs> stars in. Right, right, and it's like you don't end up on you know starring subjective blah blah right. blah. Right. We right. know da 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 whatever. Yeah. But but when the list looks this good, he's has he's had some all time great matches. Forget about the stars, whatever. He's had some of the best matches of a particular year in this company. Uh, And like honestly, you look at the work rate thing. Like the Lucha Bros, the Elite, John Moxley, Danielson. Anybody else uh, got resumes like them in AEW as far as in ring at the top? Hangman, Maybe. oh Hangman's elite. So Hangman, yeah. Hangman's yeah. elite. So that that's elite anyway. Maybe I'll talk about MJF at this point, but I don't. Mm, I don't know. I, no. I would have to dig into it. No, uh, Darby. Pro- MJF is probably like in the top ten. He's he's not, you know. Yeah, because he doesn't wrestle that much. But yeah, man, it's um, you know, I, I I'm happy to see him get this chance. Like even though the circumstances are what they are, so yeah. Um, Singles match with women's titles. I, I sent Rich uh, a celebratory video of Ray Phoenix uh, winning the title, even while like my, my dog Moxley is, is out there hurt, and I thought he may have like you know his career was potentially damaged with what happened to his neck. But I was like, hey man, it's been long overdue. It's about damn time. I'm, I, I'm look. I hope Moxley's okay, but we still celebrating. Yo, oh, he's never coming back. <laughs> um, women's title. Soraya defeats Tony Storm in a match full of shenanigans uh, that were wrestled like this person couldn't actually wrestle a real match. Um, hated it. Didn't hate it. Just didn't think it was very good or good at all. I just thought it was there. I I, I did pop for some of the stuff they pulled out. Like when she when Tony Storm went underneath the ring and grabbed shoes. I, I'm into the shoe thing. <laughs> I'm into I'm mm-hmm. into the throw the shoe thing. I'm into the goofiness of it. Like I know that you're not, but it's fine. Like I don't think it's like something where it's like, oh, that should be like the main event, like a, or that should be like a top act or whatever else. I, I think it's a nice transition character until she finds what if she's gonna stick her, t- her teeth in two posts. I, I don't think this but, is a transition, James. This is the stuff that's getting the biggest reactions, and like people are going crazy. They're bringing signs. They're like. Giving them the engagement on social media with this, it's. I don't mind that. It's here. I don't. It's I, here. But I don't. But the thing is, I don't necessarily mind that because of like, well, 
the alternative is what in this promo in this division in this promotion? You know, too bad Jamie Hader got hurt. <laughs> the alternative is Statlander, but Statlander you know. has the matches, but she doesn't have the personality, or her personality yeah. doesn't her, her her charisma doesn't translate in the way that like you would think it would. Like because like she's adorable, but like. I don't think I don't think necessarily like she's tapped into that on screen in the way that like she does she did in the indies, right? Mm-hmm. Like the stuff you've seen her do with the freestyle and shit with Max Caster or whatever else, and Ooh, some stuff. I hope, MJF, I hope like, she don't. I hope she don't tap the, into that, huh? I hope she don't tap into that. I don't disagree with you. I'm just saying that like she does have an adorable quality to her, and she hasn't tapped into that because like she was the, the stoic alien for a while that boot people in the nose, and now she's just kind of like just the wrestler and. You know, I have no problem with the stoic, uh, kick-ass, uh, big, strong woman's wrestler. That's that's kind of what most of my favorite wrestlers and J- Japanese women wrestlers are. But, like, for here, it's like, oh, she brings matches. Like, I'm okay with that. But most people tell me they don't want it. people just be just wrestlers. Like, you think I do more than just wrestle on a wrestling promotion, on a wrestling show. So, like, I mean, I'm, could, I'm fine with it. I just feel like people looking around and like that they like her. That people like uh, normally be like, "Hey, we need more." They ain't claimed it. They haven't claimed they need more from her. I'm just like, "Oh, so because you like her, you don't? She doesn't need to do more." Oh, got it. You know, they could just go Willow Nightingale. You know, I would like look. I'm a fan of Willow Nightingale as well. I'm a fan of Athena as well. They're stuck on ROH. They gotta they gotta continue the the uh, the dissension in the melodrama with the breakup of. Uh, of uh the outcast right now, and whatever I I much rather see you know as you mentioned Statlander, uh Willow Athena Tony Storm because she could wrestle with those women or whatever else and she could be the she could be the personality that wrestles the the rest uh like someone like a stat or whatever else. but like right now she's stuck doing this and um yeah man Saray is just an anchor it is what it is yeah. <laughs> Then we got the main event, MJF versus Samoa Joe for the AEW World Championship. And James, I spent like 10 minutes of this match actively feeling like I didn't want to pay attention to the screen. (laughs) Well, he's wrestling in the t-shirt again in the main event of Arthur Ashe. So, I mean, I I don't necessarily blame you. Uh, What I will say is I'm pretty sure I like this match more than you. Uh, however, a lot of the problems you're going to have with, or some of the same problems I have with, as far as the grand picture of it, like if, if MJF is going to be our scumbag and and we're going to cheer from him, cheer for him. And the heat was that he would always have these dirty finishes where like no one ever really, you never saw who the better man was. And then overwhelmingly as he's a good, the good guy. Now he gets his ass kicked by the bigger, stronger, overwhelmingly powerful Samoa Joe. And he has to take every shortcut under the sun, uh, to, to finally win. It's like, well, that was, that was the storyline when he faced Mox. And then ultimately it proved that he actually wasn't worthy of being the champion still because Regal had to help him out with the fucking ring. And he's, what's he doing? He's a good guy and he's going back to the fucking ring. Can I see him actually beat somebody when he's, when when he's actually trying hard to set for Adam Cole because Adam Cole can't beat anybody worth a damn in his promotion? Like, I'm, I'm, the story, I get it, is WWE backwards reverse psychology of he's the bad guy, we like, but he, or he, sorry, he's evil, but he, but 
we like that he's evil, so he gets to cheat and do all this and cut all these corners. Meanwhile, the other guy that's getting cheated is the heel, and all he's doing is retaliating uh, to what the what the the good guy is doing. It's reverse psychology. It's basically like the bloodline uh, in war games or whatever else, and uh, they're the good guys while they're the evil ones. It's the same shit. It's 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 the backward stuff, but I don't know if people actually called it out because it's AEW and like we don't actually call a spade a spade a lot of times with AEW. It's or not on this show, but in other places. So like it's all kumbaya or whatever else, but it's it's fundamentally fucked to me, and I don't enjoy watching this fundamentally fucked stuff. Even Correct. though I did, even though like I understand, like I have WWE brain, so I understand the psychology of it, and I'm fine with what they did. I just know that like I don't want to watch this. For, but the crowd reacted to it, so it worked. Yay. Right. Um, I'm just flummoxed that th- th- it continues to get the reactions that it does. It got um, good drama with the near falls. I will say that. They absolutely, like, near fall. That's why I say, like, I don't hate the match because, like, the near falls of them. Oh my God, he got, he, he got caught cheating. The good guy got caught cheating and he's about to get, and he finally got hit with his own ring and he actually deserves looks. He's an asshole that's been cheating all game. Oh my God, he's going to, and people fell for it. I never for a second thought Joe had a chance to I, I he never lost thought either. to a motherfucker. They fired, uh, that they knew they were going to have to fire when he walked him out the ring. So like, no, of course he's not going to fucking be the champion. So yeah. Um, this thing with the, the choke out at the end and then, Samoa Joe shakes this man's hand after getting royally fucked over and over and over from the in the first act, second act, and third act. I was like, "This is damn near as bad as Sting getting hit in the face with a sledgehammer by Triple H and then shaking wor- his it's hand." It's technically worse because Joe is for the title. It's for the title. It's for the title. He got screwed over by two guys. He never uh, brought a second guy. It's it's actually worse because like that match with uh you know the sledgehammer the, the sting whatever that was actually a no DQ match like we just thought it was this honorable Triple H to do that because it's like the showcase of the Immortals MJF is like you know it, it's it's a Wednesday so you know what that means I, I'm finna give you some I'm I'm not that I'm not finna show you who the better man was I'm just finna move on to the next thing and do a house show match. Yeah, or give half half show effort for half the match. Like it's really weird with him because like you can't say he's not trying. He's taking these crazy ass bumps in some of these matches too. But it's mm-hmm. like, and and then you know it stretches. He'll guilt come out here and he's trying to give you like the you know the good closing finish stuff, whatever. else. and like I mentioned, like it's a really creative and really really suspenseful and drama filled like near falls, whatever else. But like it's just, I I do not enjoy some of these open like the first and third acts of, uh, of this stuff and um. You know, I'm, I'm really like left. I'm really often left wanting more uh, out of MJF. Um, at of at this point, for me, I'm literally just putting it in a box now. And I'm like, all right, man. It I'm works. Just it's gonna, not for me. Like, I'm just gonna send it over there because yeah. I know what I'm interested in yeah. in this company. It ain't that. Yeah. And it ain't that. Like, yeah. I I want to see the you know the, the Omega versus Callus stuff. I want to see. Um, Eddie Kingston, I want to see Chris right. Jericho, Ray Phoenix, yeah. BCC, yeah. like all these swerve, hangman, like right. all that stuff, like literally oh, just about everything else, uh, is, is on point for me right now. Danielson and Starks, like, mm-hmm. uh, I heard collision was, was great this week. The best one yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, I feel like they are firing on all cylinders and personally with the MJF thing, I'm like, I'll just, 
whatever. I don't have to go crazy on it every week. But if they do it at like the main event of some like big show, I'll let them have it. Right. This was, you know, more of the same kind of. But like I would say, this I, was I'm better a, than yeah. the. This was better than the all in match. I, I think, but. Uh, I think people. I think more people that aren't of the thinking that that match was rotten mm-hmm. think that that like that match is very polarizing. I think this match is less polarizing. I'll put it like mm-hmm. that. Even though I think like the action in uh, the first match was at the high end was better. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think, but there was less stopping and starting. In like, am I a good guy? Am I not a good guy? Do I need to tell the story out loud? Like it was. It was a. It was less of the of the tropey stuff in um, in this match. There was still tropey stuff, but it was it wasn't that like the it was far less at the expense at the expense of the real drama in the real action. So yeah, um, I like this match more. I think more people like the other match a lot more, uh, and mm-hmm. I don't I don't and I get it because um, they're into the story, um, and I'm into the story too. It just I did I just hated all how all the stopping and starting in in like grown ass men can't and like grown ass men in a in a fake sport can't like decide that they can fight each other as hard as they can until uh, without one of them dies no. right like you know like you know I, i'm sorry like look man i watch motherfuckers go to war for for or not go to war because i can't say that like i see each other out here trying to you know bash each other's brains in for, for three hours every every weekend on saturdays and sundays and after that they fucking do the jersey swaps right like you know I don't know why I I understand that's that's supposed to be the drama, but like, can it be to where it's like it could be for like five seconds where it's a bit of hesitancy, as opposed to like it takes thirty seconds to realize what you fuck you want to do while you're in the middle of doing it, you know? Um, whatever. But yeah, like you know, I, I it's not for me, but it's wildly successful for them, and I can't not afford, right? big the number. Same thing with like you know the fiend stuff with with Bray Wyatt. It's like, look, man, it's not for me, but like. People are eating it the fuck up, and so it's working. And um, you know, variety spice life. I just wish that like this was lower on the card or whatever else. I just don't like it that it's the main event stuff. But whatever. Yeah, I, I think there's just a lot more from my sensibilities that's that's elsewhere. Yeah. And um, you know, Russell Dream is coming up this Sunday. Uh, we're yeah. kind of running low on time, so yeah. we're, we're gonna we're gonna. S- not do a preview for that, but definitely don't miss next week. We'll do the review and all that. Uh, I'm going to have to find a way to watch that because I'm going to be traveling like Sunday back from, you know, out of town again. So um, we'll, we'll figure that, that whole situation out. But yeah, um, yeah I, I think that's it, James. Yeah. Uh, so I might hop on and do a solo show. Um, midweek or whatever else, because like I haven't talked about I haven't talked about the Grand Prix at all. Um, and like yeah, the last month of it or six weeks of it. So catch up on that. Give the give the go home scenarios for all of it because like the final shows were um Sunday. The final show was Sunday before the 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 final. Um, this is going to be on Saturday, so I'll do that on Thursday or whatever else. Put it up. Give you the, the scenarios. I'll do a mini preview for uh, Russell Kingdom. Not Russell Kingdom, Russell Dream. You got to be careful with that. Uh, and then, um, and then you know, it's probably like an hour long show or something like that. Maybe maybe hour and fifteen. Who knows? But uh, do that. And I'll put it on the feed and everything. And then like we'll just review both on Monday and just have a little show of tons of great wrestling because like that Russell Dream show is 
fucking stacked. And you know how these Grand Prix shows go. Like, this could be the best week in pro wrestling between two pay-per-views uh, we get all year. Love it. So, yeah. Uh, thanks for watching, y'all. Uh, be sure to raise whatever app you're using and listen to this. If uh if you're watching from the stream, uh you can go to <laughs> you can go to uh the podcast and go to the link to Red Circle because I, I was looking at the thing. It's like oh our our, our PayPal and our uh, our cash app ain't up there. But like if you know if you know those or whatever else, like you can go there. But like if you can't like go to our Red Circle and go hit our donation link there. Um, let's other shows the network. Besides Donation Radio, you have keeping the strong style and all things elite. Thanks for listening, y'all. Later. Thanks for 11 years, James, and rest in peace, my dad.